We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. And today we've got our coverage of the season finale of The Walking Dead World Beyond. Season one, limited series. It's going to be a long one. Buckle <laughs> up. Why don't you get some coffee so you can sit down and watch this whole thing? We might break this up. We don't know yet. We're going to go through it. We're going to break it down because there's some interesting nuggets that we can tear completely freaking apart. There's some topics. People say things. And I want to just say, hey, why did you say that? And there's also a couple of things here, but whatever. I'm your host, David Cavio, and I'm joined by Cosmo. I'm zero. Nine, Rachel Burt, and you got Sharon D in the chat, Blazy Gardner on the internets, whatever, you know, where you know where to find Blazy Gardner. Blazy Gardner on the keys. That's all she does. So she does that note, and that's awesome. it. I think we've got a lot of answers to questions that we've had throughout the entire season so far. We have even more questions that will be solved in season two, and I cannot wait. I am so excited to see where this goes. I am more excited at the end of this season than I was at the end of Fear. <laughs> For the first season of Fear. Let me clarify. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Oh, you mentioned that, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Sharon says she liked the deepest cut better, you know, okay. but they were both awesome, okay. but they were both awesome. Anybody who was on the fence on Reddit felt kind of the same way as you in the sense that like, and eh, it felt maybe the first several, basically every episode until the end was more of like a milk toast, <laughs> you know, feeling of an episode. But when they got to the last one, it was kind of like, oh, this is where it all comes together. You know, this is where it all, why it all happened that way. So a lot of people were very impressed with the finale, I think. You know, still some people going, well, you know, shouldn't have had to go through 70% of shit to get to the end, which is all action stuff where it all comes together. God, why couldn't they just fix it? Why can they do the things the right way? There's purpose to it, though. You know, there's a reason it had to go the way it did. Anybody who watches The Walking Dead knows, okay, you can go in media's rest and not know a lot about everybody you know, all at once. You don't need to know their backstories. You just go into the world and we figure them out on the way. But this was a specific episode to highlight a set of characters who you know, who find their way and make the changes that they need to make to, to find who they are out in the world. And then by the end of this episode, a lot of the emphasis on needing to see what's out there to know who you are, knowing which, knowing the way the world is, finding out who you really are is a very important thing. And that's what it's always been about. It's about who, who are you now? And I think you need that development to kind of know how to treat these characters or how to react to these characters. And by the time we get to this episode, it's kind of like, well, now that now it's all coming to a head. And yet it's still shows us a little bit more development from most of our characters, I want to say. Yeah, even Percy, <laughs> to an extent. Still not a fan, by the way, but... <laughs> <laughs> Flash's image on the screen, Silas beheading <laughs> Percy. <laughs> every, t I think of that every single time when you say, well, I kinda, now I kind of want to know how Percy's doing. <laughs> Is he alive? Is he? I thought he was dead, and yep. you thought he was alive. I was very adamant about him being dead, but <laughs> hey, almost dead. So I'm not that I far off. If Elton hadn't have found him, yeah, he'd be dead. So it it took me a minute, and, and I hope you're going to say the same thing, but it took me a minute to realize that Elton was imagining Percy sitting next to him. Like, after he drug him all that, after he drug him all that way, and then he, like, finally plops down and is just like, ugh, and then Percy gets up like nothing happened. I'm like, what the hell is going on? He was just almost dead, and now you're just going to pop up like nothing. To I was really upset. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck is this show? Yeah, I was really upset. I'm like, if you are okay why are you making elton drag you all over this field <laughs> but then yeah they gave us an answer pretty quick so i'm like oh yeah i'm dumb 
You know, I wouldn't bl- I wouldn't blame you because when you when we find him, he's up and mobile. You know, he's a little bit mobile, but he does collapse. <laughs> so I I would have thought, okay, this is a bit hokey. And then all of a sudden, and he's in the way he was talking to him initially when you didn't really know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't really really know. I mean, in the back of your mind, you're like, this is weird. Um, but even the way he's talking to him, like he doesn't sound all that injured. Right. Right. <laughs> like thanks, not, thanks for the ride, Elton. You know, yeah, not like breathing heavy or like having struggling in any way. Yeah. I, the whole thing was just weird and I couldn't figure it out. So I'm glad they revealed it to us right away. <laughs> and the only way that Elton could, because like, we've seen this before of like how, remember what I was saying before about what Silas was really mad about in, um, Madman Across the Water. He had sided with Felix and trying to get everybody to turn around and, and go back to campus colony or he was going. Right. Try. The truth of the matter is that wasn't what he was upset about. Silas was just upset that Elton couldn't just admit that he was afraid. Right. You know, just just couldn't do that. And so one of the things, in the, what his excuse was, okay, fear is just a response to risk and all that stuff. And he was talking about like our biological <laughs> evolution and, and what the, so this kind of comes up again when he talks about, oh, I'm just having a stress response and I'm hallucinating. And first he goes, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. <laughs> you're, you're a human being, Elton. Act like one, you know? Mm-hmm. This is just what's going to happen. I kind of like that Percy is kind of like that foil like for the show in in his hallucinary sense when we see Elton at first though you know you see him on his own he's carrying he's carrying the burden mm-hmm. you know the burden of like believing in Silas and moving in the world with all this stuff literally but also like mention, figuratively not to mention the heavy baggage hope just piled on him yeah and you know what Amelia too in a weird way having all that knowledge about Amelia and what she did by the end of it because mm-hmm. it seems like from the start when he's wrestling with like what what he's learned about it it almost seems like he's he's like he found out something that he didn't want to know and then later on you see the same thing going on when he's forced to kind of deal with percy and find out what his injury was he is forced to find out something he might not want to know about how percy you know was hurt right right. so it's just a lot it's a lot for somebody to handle all at once and that's kind of the point i don't blame him for not and the reason for that is is he needs to see that sometimes when you're faced with a difficult situation like amelia was you know you're not going to be the paragon of goodness and morality and you're not always going to make the right decision you're going to you're going to avoid the pain even though it's a stress response you're going to avoid you know you're going to you are going to go crazy even though you know that you're imagining percy is a stress response and all that stuff you're not perfect you know even though you know what's going on you cannot help what's going on you're not in control so i i kind of there's like an irony in that and so but you go back to like the beginning when he's tearing the pages out of the manuscript it's kind of like he's disappointed in her like he's the bubble's been popped yeah well the last time he saw his mom he was five years old okay do you do you remember what what you thought about your mom at five yes she was very much she was a goddess right i mean could do no wrong i mean the best person in your life you know she was this larger than life thing to him you know perfect in every way because of all of his memories and now he has to face this harsh reality that this perfect woman did something horrible or is capable of doing something horrible right yeah well yeah she exactly so that's that's gotta be tough for him to swallow but you know i think he handled it really maturely i mean yeah he ripped the pages out and everything but then he goes back and he collects them again and kind of calms himself down and is like all right i had my fit now i can 
really think about this and apply it somehow, right? Learn from it. And I think we see him do that. Yeah, I think so too. And more so, it's like him picking the picking up the pages, picking up the pieces that he broke. You, you take that one step further and it's like, he really puts it at first all on his mom. And, you know, because when the bubble bursts, it's like, okay, who do I blame now? But then, and, and you realize the one person you hope thought he would blame the most is hope. And yet, right. Elton realizes right away, oh, you were just a kid. What were, what were you supposed to do? You, she, my mom literally killed your mom. You know, what were you supposed to do? You know, and so you, you just see he automatically skips like hope as a suspect right off the bat. I was very surprised by that. I thought they might wrestle would, with that. I agree. I, I thought we would see Elton lash out at hope, you know, at least a little bit, but he didn't. Like I said, he handled it so maturely for being such a little baby in his little <laughs> suit. <laughs> his little, little corduroy suit. And that's crazy, right? I mean, Hope did kill his mom. I mean, she is to blame for the death of Amelia. But he sees the bigger picture there and is like, well, really, my mom sort of started that chain of events. You know, had the adult in the situation not reacted the way she did, the child wouldn't have been left to do what she did. So, again, I mean, this is like, I mean, at 36 years old, I don't even know if I could be that rational. <laughs> you know what's really funny about all of this, though, too, is that what what you may forget in the little interaction between he and Percy, though, or quote unquote Percy. Yeah. <laughs> is that it is really him you know down to like okay starting from the fact that like hey maybe you should figure out what happened to me you know and not run away from this because real real <laughs> you does not want to see real you doesn't want to want to wrestle with amelia's choice you know real you does not want to know what the truth real you wants to rage so figment percy is making him actually check out what happened he finds out what happened cool okay it's not as what it seems and then finally percy sits him down and it's still again it's it's really him. It's really him right. trying to be kind to himself. It's really him that's mm -hmm. trying to get him to wrestle with what it must have been like for Amelia also. He is trying to figure out how this sort of thing could have happened. And when he's forced to reckon with whether he should leave Percy behind, that other part of him, that mature, really weird part of him, oddly so mature, sits him down and, and says, and I, I'm, if, you, if it's okay, I'm going to read the whole thing. Because Percy's, or Percy Elton's <laughs> speech to himself reminded me a lot of Rick's hallucination with Sasha. Do you remember that? Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. About every decision we make, every sacrifice, everything that we're forced to reckon with. And sometimes it's a sacrifice. And sometimes that sacrifice is necessary so that the people we leave behind can move forward. Right. And that, that what, that's what that reminded me about. And so it's, he goes, Percy, quote unquote, says, it's a crazy world out there, huh? Full of good people who sometimes disappoint us. But it's damn beautiful. Look, you're not just a guy behind a camera anymore, Elton. You're a part of it now. It's not what it was supposed to be. <laughs> It never is. But you didn't want me to die. That's a noble thing. But trying to save a guy who's probably already dead, it's not worth it. You can live, Elton, to save other people down the line, other people who who can live to change the world. There's no changing the world. We have 15 years before we go go extinct. You sure about that? I think your mom had more faith in people than you think. She really thought it was going to be over. Why have a son? Why have your sister? I think it's because despite what she wrote in her manuscript and deep down, she believed that people stood a fighting chance. There's a big, beautiful world waiting for you out there, Elton. Go fight for it. Be brave, like she knew you could be. Yeah, uh, yeah see, that's <laughs> Sharon D. Um, mm -hmm. She says mm -hmm. you're not just behind the camera anymore, Althea. That was my swan song, <laughs> the sole survivor. <laughs> 
Fear the Walking Dead, Althea. And oh, she also says, uh, but if you remember, Elton's always been kind of mature. Think of how he handled the death of his dad. I don't know about maturity. Like he's always handled things, you know, seeing all the evidence about Silas and still thinking, like, I don't care what he did at the, in the, at the end of the day. I know that whatever he tried to do had just cause. So he kind of like, he took out all the fat in whatever argument you could have about Silas or any nuance. And he just said, you know what? It doesn't really matter because I know that even if you tell me all the gory details of what Silas did to Percy and Tony, said so end of the day i know that whatever it was was done to defend other people to protect them or to protect himself you know but mostly to protect others so i yeah so it's yeah. more intelligence i think you know and then but in terms of and he does the same thing with them um, with hope in this instance it's like he automatically goes to the fact that like okay rationally speaking she was just a kid who just watched her mom get shot by my mom <laughs> and she was the adult she should have known better which is what he says out loud oh and i mentioned one more thing it's like um uh, elton is literally figuratively burdened drags percy along and it's very similar to felix in a sense who also in this episode feels burdened feels like he has to take it all on himself uh which is also just like ed and fear the walking dead in in, in this instance felix is felix is trying to make up for his mom wanting a win you know so he's like he lets the wind take him somewhere like he's like in service to the wind like i don't know where i'm going but i might as well follow the wind and um and hopefully the wind will take me to where i can make up for my mom's mistakes by saving someone because he's very very concerned about saving percy i gotta save you that's just what i have to do to make up for this mess that my mom made in his head probably we can save percy it makes up for a little bit of what she did well and it's funny how uh sharon is saying that's the reason for, that's my reasoning for charlie too she was just a kid who watched her guardian get murdered yeah yeah and so she's just <laughs> doing she's in service of this group trying to figure out what, how she can contribute you know charlie charlie also like followed the group and plotted and but okay <laughs> but you know what this is not unlike i you know i didn't notice at first and there's i didn't notice this at first because these two weren't paired off as much or at all we haven't seen them together at all but like charlie and dwight aren't too different like charlie was a kid sure charlie was you know is a little bit more innocent or like blameless because like we said she watched her guardian get murdered by nick you know who i'm sure she had complicated feelings about like okay he was good to me but you know he wasn't on my side my tribe side which is kind of like dwight it's like dwight got caught up with the wrong people like you what was it the you, you just met the wrong people first mary says yeah yeah yep. it's the same thing as dwight you know and so he was forced down a path and you know it's, it's just you met the wrong people first and so that's what happened and so you you have these two people who are just in dwight unburdens and he just decides you know hey i was with the wrong people i did things i didn't want to do and now i'm just living in service of whatever good i can eke out in this world because i need to make up for things you know so it's, just, it's the same thing except charlie has less a lot less blame <laughs> in his sense she made she oh her what was her sin she killed our favorite character <laughs> that's yeah. essentially well, what it is isn't I, it though? and i killed one person person right yeah i mean dwight dwight's killed a lot of people Dwight's <laughs> killed a lot of people <laughs> more i want to go with i'm gonna find sherry and have fine happiness <laughs> oh shit well good luck charlie fuck you yeah. fuck you charlie <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> See how that like, uh, like once you I get know. the big picture, it's like, oh yep. shit. <laughs> doesn't make, doesn't make sense. I can't, I can't make sense of it. <laughs> it's no, but you can, but it's not a good reason. It's like, but she no. killed Nick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah, favorite character. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Uh, she killed Nick. That's not okay. It's, yeah, exactly. End of story. <laughs> Otherwise, she's just a kid. Who's it? And again, like I, you have to understand, I had to square that circle a long time ago <laughs> because <laughs> I did not know how it continued this series. Otherwise, honestly, it was just rough. I need to get through it. And then once I got through it, it was like like a mantra. You just have to kind of go. Hey, but, okay, but Nick, <laughs> I killed Ennis, and I have to get through. It. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. Now we can continue breaking <laughs> these episodes down. Okay, good. And that's every episode <laughs> until I'm okay. And I do see remorse from Charlie. I mean, it's still there. I do. I, yeah, I see her feeling guilty. I just don't want to, I'm not ready to like her yet. <laughs> it's, it's chipping away at you though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she is, she's, she's getting through. Well, okay. Speaking of getting through though, you know, Elton is ready to leave Percy. And again, this is, I just I want to remind everybody, this is that part of Elton that's saying, that's rationalizing what it must've been like for him. Amelia to to do what she did in that moment. And so he decides to walk away. He's like, you're right, fake me, Percy. <laughs> <laughs> That this must have been what my mother felt, you know, like this, this is, this is what she must have felt. And so he, you know, and the last thing he does is hold on to his mother, his, his bead. And, and then he's walking away and then he goes, no, no, that's not how this is going to go down. In the same movement, it's almost as if he's saying goodbye, mom. Thank you. I needed to learn this lesson. I needed to know that it's okay to be afraid and that we are going to make mistakes, but we're out here now. You know, there's, this is, it's just sink or swim. It is about survival. It is about understanding this world, how it's beautiful, but also also how it's dark, the tiger and the lamb, that whole thing. And then he says, you know, but I'm still going to do this thing. I'm still going to just fight for it. I'm going to fight for this world and fight for the people in it. And that scene was just really cool. <laughs> like it was yeah. a little funny too, with the little fisherman's <laughs> friend thing. Like yeah. I thought that was a little cute, but it was nice to see him kind of perk up, rally and just say, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. The only thing extra I wanted to see in that scene was him uh, stab the walkers in the head after he after he wound him up and pushed him over and then he took out the one coming at him i, w I just wanted to see him go over and take care of the ones that were still moving around right that was all. right because when he when he when he fell over i was just kind of like eh, eh, uh-huh eh, yeah finish the job eh, you're gonna get bit eh. i was like i'm like the grimace emoji i'm like ooh, ooh, finish the job finish the job <laughs> oh sharendy spot freaking on yes sharendy says in the first episode episode while they were in class the teacher asked elton what he wanted from life and elton said i don't want to be afraid anymore but i know i probably will be well, and a whole bunch of other things Perfect. but yes a lot yeah. of the things he says in that episode in that particular scene um he kind of retreads here by way of percy slash his speech to himself you know he you know <laughs> it's a big beautiful world this is what you out and he even says you know you know it's not what it was supposed to be what i thought it would be you know mm -hmm. and you know and then reiterating what his mom said we only have 15 years before we go extinct you know and and so and i like i love how that comes up again but like not until the the the, the next episode 
episode. Mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh-huh. I love mm-hmm. how Amelia's projection was 15 years, or Amelia slash right. Elton, because I think I think most of that was Elton, like taking Amelia's work and then doing his own calculations about the end of the world, because oh, he says okay. 15. And then mm-hmm. Amelia, and then sorry, Lila says later on, it's like, oh, if we don't curtail this, it's 30 years. It's like Lila had more conservative proje- pro- projections than Amelia slash Elton, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Did you hear um, per- Percy says to Elton when Elton discovers the bullet wound? Oh, surprise, oh, Rocket, Rocket Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which, uh, which again, like was, wasn't that something that his mom called him? Did she? I oh, don't no, know. We it, just, we found it, out he was, in, he was named after Elton John. Right. I forget, I forget if he called it, if she called him Rocket Man or Tiny Dancer. <laughs> just can't remember. Did, I think it was Tiny Dancer though. I can't remember. I guess I don't remember her saying any nicknames out loud. Just my little explorer in the, in her manuscript. Oh, and Sharon D says, yeah, I thought, Rock- I thought his dad called him Rocket Man. His dad. Oh, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Sharon D also says, and the title on the board in the classroom was Hamlet, where a son pretends to be something he's not. Huh. <laughs> wow. Very interesting, Yeltian. Sharon D picking up all those little treats for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you're right. Yeah. Dad called him mm-hmm, Rocket Man because mm-hmm. of the flashback when he showed him the meteor in the picture. Yeah. You're right. I'm just you're trying right. to te- teach Rocket Man a lesson. Okay. So, so, so. So Elton is remembering his mother and his father. Mm, in this, the whole of it, yeah. In this little, I can't call it a fever dream, this hallucination he's having. <laughs> this stress response. Stress response, yeah. I like that he has this weird moment with Percy. And I'll tell you why I mentioned this. Like this weird moment, this fake moment with Percy. Like, oh, I'm <laughs> getting closer to this guy. And then he almost tries to do that at the end of the next episode. Like at the end of When it- Percy's finally awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, we bonded in here, man. Why yeah. aren't we really friends? <laughs> like, why isn't what I'm saying at the end here working? Like, I actually wrote it down because I thought it would be kind of funny now that we're talking about it in sequence. Like, so uh-huh. he goes, where do you think they took him, Silas? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> how are we going to find the others? I don't know. So what are we going to do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then then he has this speech like Percy you're my friend now right so I'm gonna give you a little speech he's like but I know we're gonna figure it out Eliza head is not gonna be easy we're a part of it now like he's like you know these words like he's, I, yeah. you sort of said it to me <laughs> right you personally <laughs> right I used to think we we're the last of the species again this is something he mentions in response to mm-hmm. Percy him <laughs> but then so much has changed I've seen the impossible happen like him waking up holy shit <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that's, that's how I know we're gonna find the others and say them because we can do the impossible like who said that morgan <laughs> fear the walking dead season five we're going to make our yeah. lives count not because we're the last generation but because we're the beginning so like, it's the beginning but it's the way he says it and percy i'm watching percy's face as he's walking he's like i don't know what this guy's saying at all <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what he's saying he seems pretty confident i'll go with it but <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the most confident I've ever seen you, Rocket Man. Wait, That's I wonder funny. where I heard that before. <laughs> Must have been someone's fever dream. I mean, watch it again. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's like, he, like there's a little yeah. dart back and forth. He's like, he's like looking at him side eyes. Like, All right. <laughs> oh, I guess my uncle just Great. died. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
it's great that there's a callback. Like he does recognize what's going on, what's what he you know he, he what he reconciles in his mind at the moment, and then says it out loud in the real world. And it actually sounds better in a way while he's with Percy out in the middle of this field, having just killed all these wa- these empties empties. Let's use the vernacular. Okay, that's right. He's finds like this walkie in Percy's pocket. He's clicking Morse code. Oh, initially that's right. To and he's like mm-hmm. Felix, pick up on it. He's uh, he's SOSing. Yeah, you guys are so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was clever, but then ultimately useless. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, and and if someone does know Morse code, are are they going to be the people that you want coming to rescue you? <laughs> and that qu- quite possibly was the indicator too. Like that, him just doing Morse code is like, oh, okay, let's. Uh, and you know what? If Kublik was the one, or whoever was in the area was the one to pick him up, it's just like, yeah, of course we're going to come after this guy. But yeah, that didn't pan out, and it ends up being that Huck picks up the channel, and so, and then Percy wakes up in like feverish and and whatever. But like he wakes up and he's like, she's the one who shot me. So right, let's, don't tell her where we are. <laughs> Sharon says SOS <laughs> SOS stands for Save Our Silas. <laughs> totally yes, for meeting. That is what it stands for. So now what did you feel uh when you saw the Silas's face? knowing that he wasn't the killer. Oh my gosh, the look of relief on his face. And I mean, I was I was breathing heavy with him like during this scene, like I could just see him like, like unpacking all of this and like, and he like throws his arms up and he like runs his hands through it. I mean, you can just see him like, oh, like unloading this, this burden that has literally been like weighing him down. I mean, you, I literally saw the weight come off of him, you know, and I, oh, it was just, it was amazing. It was so gratifying because I knew it. I mean, we all knew, right? We all knew. So it was, it was wonderful to finally see that moment. Yeah. It's funny. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys something and, and this is how I know that Hal Cumson is like a really good actor because he did something in that moment that I did in real life uh, a long time ago, a long time ago, like when I was 19, 20, I was driving on the way to pick up my friend to a theater, like in a theater audition, actually. It was like the night we were going to audition for this part for these different parts. He ended up playing the younger version of me because I was just a little <laughs> bit older than him and fatter, whatever. Anyway, so I got into a little accident on the way to his place to pick him up. And what it was, mm. I was driving and going over and uh, going into an intersection to the other side of the street, somebody who just decided to just jump into the crosswalk with a dog. And I swerved out of the way and hit like two or three parked cars. It was, it was a big accident and I was driving a big car just to avoid from hitting her. Right. What ended up happening was, I ended up having to go to court like two years later because that's how quickly the wheels of the system work. You know, like you mm-hmm. go, you, you, this thing <laughs> happens. They decide they want to sue you because they want to get more money from the insurance company, which they were going to give her a generous amount too. It was like $70,000. It was like a lot of money. And Wait, the woman you didn't hit? I, the one, the woman I did not hit. Yeah, exactly. The so, woman you did not hit wanted money. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I twisted <laughs> my ankle. It was like, oh, okay. Okay. Did, are you alive? Cause you would not have been. <laughs> Right. You know, slamming on the mm. brakes, the the, the, the anti-locking brake system trying to kick in, but, and then me just swerving out of the way to miss her, which I did. Um, Good. <laughs> so this is, so throughout the case, you know, we, you know, we're, they're examining certain witnesses or they're going through some of the, the evidence and stuff like that. And this is like, before we decide who's at fault, like, okay, let's gather everything up. There was a deposition. There's this, there's that. And it actually went to court. I'm sitting there with my dad every day. It's like three days. And I, I even testify. She testified testifies and it comes time for the jury to actually decide because we had a jury. This is how far it went. Now, just keep in mind every single day, 
um, the insurance company was offering her a higher settlement, a higher settlement, like it got up to $70,000. And then she said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going, I'm going all the way. And it's like, okay, all right, fine. So it comes time for the jury to kind of render at least the, the fault part of the, ta of, of the, uh, the court, whatever the proceedings. And they mm -hmm. decided I wasn't at fault. And I had the same reaction that Silas had. It was like that, <sighs> like, mm -hmm. oh my God, like looking around the room, like shit, tears streaming down my face because, you know, I, I'm a kid and like, I'm like 20 years old and I'm like thinking to myself, why would anybody believe me? Why would anybody <laughs> believe me at all? Why would they believe me? I, there's, there's no reason for people to believe a shit heel like me or whatever, you know, that sort of thing that, uh, that you feel about yourself. And it's just like, you know, and I like knowing and fighting for what you believe in, telling the truth, say, laying it all out and trusting others. And again, this concept will Ooh, come that's up. Hard. Yeah. Trusting others for you to decide whether you are right or wrong about something and it now it you know you know life right life doesn't always work like that when you tell the truth so nope i i remember feeling that in that moment and just seeing looking at silas and it actually it brought me back and it was like holy shit yeah it's, it's like knowing in your heart sort of making peace with the fact that you're not going to win because this is one of those cases that never goes your way you're the driver it's a pedestrian there is just no way that's going to go your way and yet it's right. it still went my way it like it still meant went the right way the way i I knew it ha it happened it, it's unbelievable so, so so since since they ruled in your favor does that mean she didn't get any money she didn't get any money <laughs> like That's what you get greedy she probably <laughs> jumped out in front of your car on purpose you just pulled I'm an glad it happened you just pulled an iris That's what you get <laughs> <laughs> i liked it no but i like it <laughs> I'm not going to say it because like, man, I don't know how much she had to pay. I don't, I don't know. Now she's like less than nothing. And so I can't say anything. Hey, she should have taken the settlement. I'll, I'll, I'll take the reaction. She didn't even get injured. Yeah, I know. That's, oh, a, yeah. that's okay. the silly part. Like she kept mentioning about her dog needing to urinate, you know, like, holy shit. Okay. So you had to run across the street. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Right. Anyway, so. Let the dog pee on your carpet. Well, Other than we, get run over by a car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Silas is having his moment, realizing he's not a monster. And Elton's saying, you, you're not the monster. You never was. You never were. And like, this whole time I'm thinking about like Percy, actually. <laughs> he's like, guys, I'm right here. My dad, my, sorry, my dad figure, my uncle just died. Right. I'm on death's door. <laughs> like, watching Silas have this moment, which rightfully so. But like, at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't help his uncle at all. <laughs> his uncle. No, no. I know it's, it's a weird thing. <laughs> that to think about both of these things at the same time but they yeah. do a good job of it like they kind of quickly take you from point a to point b really quickly being respectful of like hey i'm right here i'm almost dead right <laughs> my uncle is dead <laughs> i like the idea in that moment when silas and percy were finally face to face i liked thinking to myself that that percy always knew the truth he never he always knew silas was innocent so he's not looking at at silas you know like like he did anything wrong let's go back to something he says just as he's, he's explaining the situation it was like she shot my uncle and she shot me and i couldn't say anything because he because this is something i said this is one of the scenarios i yep. said because he thought if if he had like what if the others are in on it you know he couldn't mm -hmm. flip silas he couldn't you know what i mean like he was having a hard time getting cope to cop cop on to her honesty and all that stuff so at the moment he was just kind of like oh they don't trust me or like oh, i'm obviously not in as much as i'd like to be in this moment yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like this other person 
that they were me- waiting to meet up with shot me. And it's just like, oh, they're probably they're obviously in on it too, because you know, what, what other, what reason would I have to trust them? So like, again, this is the bad people right. situation where like, oh, I'm out. See ya. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah. It, Cause he didn't, he didn't know who he could trust. Um, I think, it, I think we we're right too. I mean, Silas did beat Tony's face in, but that was cause he had turned. Oh no, no, no. Yes. No, I no. I think Huck did that. I think Huck definitely did that. Beat oh. him in the face? Oh, yeah. Well, this is the thing. She shot both of them. There's right. No, there was no reason to beat him in the face. If she shot him, but I think, in don't the you head. Think she, don't you think she also would have run after Percy I think if she, he was getting away? I think she tried to, yeah. And then came back and so, finished the job. Um, Here's how it goes down. I feel like it happened really a lot faster than that, though, don't you? It, it must have. So I, I have a feeling that Huck goes in, shoots Tony, you know, tries to cover. I think she purposefully cut, you know, covered it up so that she Well, can, and his wrench was in there. So she could have used the wrench to bash Tony's face and not her own fists. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, and the whole point was to cover the wrench in blood. The whole point was to implicate yeah. Silas in what better way than to use his stuff, his tools, whatever. But right. but the whole point of it is that, like, Percy walks in on this as it's happening. Like, you know, obviously, like, covering up and the whole thing. Okay, okay. He gets shot, climbs out the window, runs, like, all hell to try to get away. That's the current take him, probably, as far as it can okay. go. And then, you know, which is very helpful to him in the moment because <laughs> right, right. Huck can't go after him. But the whole point is to like, okay. but, but implicating Silas. That makes was, a lot more sense. Yeah, implicating Silas was the whole point. This is why I said when she, when she walks up to him in the, in the beginning of the last episode, um, which was the sky is a graveyard. She goes, I'm sorry, kid. You know, like I have to implicate you further, you know, like right. I have to, by way of these images. Cause while she's right. They're rifle- not buying it. I gotta. Well, rifling, yeah. ri- while rifling around in his bag for the wrench, of course she sees this stuff. Oh, I saw mm-hmm. him t- whipping it out at a campfire and masturbating to it. Anyway, no, let's move on. <laughs> I like that time. That time breakdown. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, and okay. it could it could have gone on board, <laughs> and it could have gone either way. Like, okay, to, like they're both there. You only, you know, she shoots Tony, then she shoots Percy. Maybe Percy gets a moment to push Huck away, and then runs out, and then you know, obviously she has to deal with Tony. So there's an, there, that's another scenario where like, okay, but now I I have to continue implicating Silas. So I'm gonna yeah. cut my losses with Percy, and then just hope that he dies from that gunshot, which you know people do and he could have so one one quick question Mm -hmm. just to tie a nice little ribbon around this whole scenario how does silas get blood on the back backs of his hands oh that's totally huck huck came in and got in his face and right wiped blood on on him i would assume so yeah he'd probably already been passed out somewhere else or who knows and dragged him into the stall possibly and then this is a lot of work for her to do without nobody without anybody noticing you know i i agree (laughs) but at the same time i can see it i could totally see it i mean she's you know she, she also makes sure she's the furthest away at the time which may have been a result of her going after percy by the way maybe in the aftermath i've covered my tracks with silas and tony let me see if i can catch up to percy and that's why like she mm-hmm. comes back on the she's the last one on the scene remember because she's probably busy trying yeah. to find percy in the moment <laughs> yeah. yeah right so yeah that, that tie it a little bit more in a knot for you because i think the priority think was to so. make up the scene you know what i mean sure sure yeah so that silas silas the blood on Silas's hands is still a little questionable, but I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, well, because because you have to remember at the end of the episode when she's talking to Hope, she's saying, "I did everything I could to separate you two without harming any of you." Right, and, and meaning any of this group, not Percy right. and Tony, because they don't count. Yeah, they don't count. <laughs> Basically, they don't count. But yeah, I, and I think she, I don't think she to say that she cares about Silas at all. But I think you know if she can give him a chance, why not? So speaking about Huck, I kind of want to get into this now before we get a chance to talk 
talk about it later. But um, Liam from Undead Walking said something very interesting. He has a theory that he put up, and it is that Huck's entire backstory is fake. The backstory that was revealed mm-hmm. to us only, by the way. It wasn't revealed to Hope. It wasn't revealed to anybody but us. The, mm-hmm. the reason why he says this is, is he says the reason why she has to do this to herself is to kind of give herself a lie. And if you tell yourself a lie consistently you know, over and over again, you'll believe it yourself. And so she believes this own lie in order for her, her to infiltrate Omaha, which in turn allows her to infiltrate Campus Colony. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying so far? Like this whole, the whole her being uh, in the military or sorry, in the Marines, it's all a yes, hoax. I, I under, yeah, I understand. Yeah. The, the episode we saw with her flashbacks was fake. I don't believe so. <laughs> I, I agree. And, and it's because of what, and it's because of what Sharon D's saying here. Um, I think Elizabeth mentioned it. She, she makes a comment about Huck's past indiscretions and how people have a hard time trusting her. And I think what we saw is what Elizabeth's talking about. So I think what they were saying was, and this is another, this is the thing that I wanted to link it to was, was what um, Elizabeth says just before a hope in, in Elizabeth are getting flip, 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 flip away on the helicopter, right? She says, passing <laughs> discretions just before infiltrating Omaha in particular, she says this. Yep. And so I don't know. And this, this is what I wanted to ask you was, do you think this is the, the incident, you know, just before the Marines, you know, like, so she deserts, she's a deserter. She's taking all these civilians to where, who knows, you know, and then she has to tell her, her mom, or maybe she finds her mom and lays all these civilians down on her. They're citizens of the Republic, whatever. And then she has to relay what she did to get them, make them a part of it, which means also, by the way, that the Civic Republic has been in the making or the civil defense or how, whatever our theory is that we're going to work off of has been in the works for a while now yeah. as a possible takeover, like letting the military and the National Guard duke it out. And then all of a sudden, Civic Republic <laughs> rises up from those ashes, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like pick up the pieces and say, hey, we're your new government now. You're going to follow us. That's what I was wrestling with also, because it's the timeline that makes me a little bit confused, because first of all, when does she get picked up in Omaha? When does she end up going to Campus Colony? And if it is all for the purpose of going to Campus Colony, because it sounds like Campus Colony got their shit together real quick. You know, why do we say this? Because of that orange in that last freaking episode, <laughs> the sky's a graveyard, yep. that three ringed orange, that little thing, like when he was six years old, Silas. So it's just like, so maybe they did get their shit together really early on. Maybe they, they had it all together and they were able to recoup really quickly and then have this community and have this production. Like you, I think who, who was saying this at the time, but like their, their means of production was really, they got that up really quickly. They weren't as mm-hmm. self-sufficient as uh, the Civic Republic, but at the same time, you know, they made it work. You know, they're not, they don't lack for anything. So I guess, I guess maybe it was, the, so that's the thing, like, what did she do to infiltrate, you know, so she, so she saves all these people, deserts her brothers in the, in the Marines, and then is picked up by her mom. And then she's sent on this quest. Like she's, she's thrown down the Mississippi and to infiltrate Omaha and infiltrate Campus Colony, I guess. I thought yeah. it might've been like a separate incident because it's, it's the time thing that really throws me off. Mm-hmm. Because this is an awfully long spy plan, like 10 years, a, a, 10 years right. of spy, if that's the case, right? So it could be something else. Mm. Could I, be. I, she might've done something just before Omaha that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. I also want to know what um, the dad's watch has to do with her story too, because Elizabeth makes a point to say he left that for us and it brought us back together, safe and sound despite everything. So what is it about this watch and and or the dad? Does he have, I mean, Elizabeth's making it sound like him or the watch had to do with those two reuniting. Right, right. And after however long. Well, also confirming that he's not dead. He just left us. Cor right, yeah. You know, which is something that I said while we were doing the live, well, I was live tweeting or live reacting to people on Sunday night. I was like, well, you know what? One of the interesting things, it could be that he, he is higher up on the food chain at the CR, if that's possible. Like I said, I thought to myself, mm -hmm. oh, maybe he's running this operation. Maybe he's what brought them together. And she's in just, Elizabeth is just a lower rank, let's say. Um, Sharon is saying, also the CRM would only know about Hope's gifts just recently because Lila is the one who told them about mm -hmm. them. Right. And this is something we find out later on in her fake speech <laughs> to fake Leo, who's not there. Thank goodness. Her practice speech, right? Yeah. Why'd you have to do in that room, you bitch? <laughs> <laughs> they scared right? the shit out of us. So she also continues, why did they have to infiltrate before they knew they wanted hope? That's also another good question, right? Well, I think I, I might have an answer for that. Huck uh, brings up the fact that they're looking for hope and people like her. So maybe Huck's mission is to find geniuses and collect them. You know, hope might have just been the most recent target. Yeah, I think so too. So the question is, it's possible that she did this infiltration a long time ago, not for hope, obviously, and maybe just mm -hmm. to infiltrate campus colony i don't know maybe we don't even know how long she was with campus colony because she came from omaha right yeah yeah yep. we don't even know how long she was with the with campus also the impression that i had was that she was out there a while too before she came to omaha that's what i thought that's what it seemed like the question that we have right now is it could be one of two things i don't think we're gonna know but i think it's good to mention that okay did huck do this from the beginning did she infiltrate omaha with the intention much later on down the road to infiltrate campus colony or was it something that just all happened recently like in recent years last few that's a good question you know because it because it means is the indiscretion that she had with the cr the suspicion did this happen way in the past was it the incident with the united states marine corps or was this more recent like this incident with the cr more recent and we're going to find out what that was yeah I, that's the, that's the question but either way i'm going to say her past is real i'll tell you there's i want to believe that it that it's true i do because that's what is giving me faith that huck is still good yeah is is that flashback liam is still <laughs> by the way liam the, the thing that liam is saying from undead walking is saying is the, the linchpin to his theory is that you know because in the beginning when we find out this little flashback because as the flashback goes for the for these these episodes it goes like this um i'm gonna meet i'm gonna i'm gonna scout ahead 48 hours she goes off she meets kublik elizabeth right yeah. she meets kublik in this cabin ish place right okay the sandwich blah blah, blah the conversation okay she gives her the watch Blah, blah blah and she kublik says to her you know the people are losing faith in you if not we can come in we can do this we can take her out handle the whole thing and she goes you know you remind them about what i did you know what i did to my face moreover what i did to and my, my face and her arm she and mentions her. mentions she did something to her arm we don't know what that is but at the same we time we don't know what that yeah, yeah okay it's, it thank you like, for confirming that i'm like did i miss something i i think she mangled her arm by the way or did something to her arm at the raft this is something that she oh, mentioned yes sharon d saying the same thing uh, yep. okay, there when you they go. found her on the raft her arm was her oh, okay thank 
you. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's not the first time we've heard that mentioned. Yeah. Oh. It's not the first My, time. So, okay. you know, her commitment, she's like thus illustrating her commitment to the cause. And that is what it, it's a tick in Liam's corner about that. What I was thinking was, I, I think maybe she has not told her mom about what happened to the Marines also. Maybe she thinks, mm. oh, this is part of my backstory, you know, but meanwhile, it's a real, it's a very real thing that she did to remember, mm -hmm. you know, or it could be both. She specifically chose that mark to remember, but also to fool other people. Like this is what happened to my face in the, out yeah. in the wild. You know, so maybe it's a, maybe it's both, but I'll give you a very simple explanation why I think it's not a lie. Okay. One, she tells nobody about this. Nobody, not Huck, not Kublik. It's not mentioned at all. Okay. Two, why lie to the audience? Why? I mean, yeah. you could say, oh, she's told herself this lie so many times, but why is it so specific? You know, why down to like, why down to like when she finds the Marine that she's starting to feel these feelings? Because again, I have to remind you of the sequence because we're getting the 48 hours before, like we're getting that now, that conversation with Kublik now. And then yeah. we go back into the past again, where after that meeting with Kublik, she sees the, the USMC pin, US Marine Corps pin, and she starts having these feelings. So it makes no sense that this would be a lie. Like, why would she I be agree. going through these feelings? If they were going to make that flashback a lie, I think I think we would have found out in the same episode. Yeah, or we would have picked I mean, it if, apart. If yeah, or it would have been... A, it would have been clear that that she was convincing herself of this false backstory. Like, you know, like you said, maybe she created the story and she's just repeated it so many times that now she's believing it. And and that could be true. But I think if that were the case, one, we'd have a reason why. Right. And and I think by now, well, I don't know. These writers always keep us guessing. I'd like to think by now we would know that it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, but also like, before the end of this season. Well, so you have to remember, she's not told anybody about this. And so we're the only. Right people who know mm -hmm. why maybe and this is this is where my punchline comes in maybe <laughs> we need to know so we can judge according because at the end of the day hope this whole time this is something we said i think in the last episode covering the walking dead world beyond was that hope is doing all this as a replacement for her brothers in arms that she had to waste okay we talked about elton needing a win you know following the wind so she can have a win to kind of make up for what amelia did which is hurt somebody and kill somebody right and scare a little girl at the same time and traumatize a little girl um so he needs to save percy it just like just like that or just like ed trying to make somebody feel make somebody feel safe in spite of the fact they lost his family a long time ago just he just needs a win the same thing is going on with huck but in a different way she needs to feel like she's a part of an organization a club a brothers in arms again to kind of repeat the same mistake sorry to sorry to repeat the same exper experience and have it go the right way this time right she doesn't have to be yeah. forced to make these decisions or, she, or maybe she feels in service to this thing because she failed at this other thing because she was forced to make a hard decision, a big decision, like she says to Hope. Like, you have to make big decisions go on getting people killed. And I think when she finds out what happens to Campus Colony, something she was not willing to do before, hurt a bunch of innocent people. This is going to really, and again, this is how I know her past experience is real because that's going to be the very thing that will get her to turn on her mother, period. Because all the things she says to, that her mother says to her at the end, she's like, you know, I had to make sure that this was an unmitigated success 
and you know no mistakes has to happen obviously and like what is the thing that makes it so that it's an un- unmitigated unmitigated success yeah killing campus colonies there's nowhere to go back to yeah. you know which is not the only reason by the way i still contend it's exactly what she said to barca they were going to be a threat basically they weren't going to do things our way which is you know our way is the only way authoritarianism forced consignments you know our, you know we are the light of the world you know it's a, this hippy dippy shit at campus colony which we also <laughs> said was kind of like eh, it's more collectivist but you know a little tweak but you know no jack boots <laughs> you know <laughs> But no, my way or the highway, you know, it's, it's, we're going to be the light in the world, not you, you know, you threaten us, you with your freedom of movement and your individual liberty and, and the, <laughs> the ability to choose the kind of path you want to take, not these A and this A and B shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how it had to be. And, and again, multiple reasons, you know, they, 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 they had to make it so that they could not go back because even if they tried, they, there has to be nowhere to go. She gave them the map to make map to make it easier, but still. Yeah. I guess we can we can stop holding out hope that that elizabeth didn't bring down the order to kill campus colony i'm yeah, pretty sure it came from her i you know i'm i feel like elizabeth <laughs> is doing the same thing that huck is doing with hope she is squaring the circle she is trying to find the foothold to tell herself that what they're doing is the right thing and you see that happen with hope mm-hmm. and huck you know huck is saying you got to find the greater good there was no other choice There's nothing <laughs> more we could do mm-hmm. yeah i tried my best to keep people alive you know like it but you know it still had to happen it had to happen i don't yeah. think she was happy with what she had to do with tony and percy but no. you know, but it was no. about you she did it is hot gonna recognize what her mom did and and see that she's also making the tough calls like like you just said i mean you compared ca- ca- killing campus colony to killing percy and tony so is hot gonna see that her mom was just doing bad for the greater good yeah but i think huck's version of doing bad was forcing to kill her brothers in arms because they were going to kill innocent people. Right. Weren't Percy and Tony innocent? Yeah, I guess so, huh? <laughs> but I guess I guess she she can feel like, well, so were her brothers in arms. I think they were just given orders, you know? And so that's the difference between being yeah. the weapon, you know, like, okay, it's, it's a numbers game, that's isn't true. it? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. They did the soldiers didn't really do anything wrong. They were just following orders. But she decided they weren't going to complete those orders. Right. She decided for them. Right. Yeah. She decided she was the greater good. You know, which is dangerous. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm I'm with her. Well, I mean, well, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have done the same thing. I, I I know I wouldn't have done the same thing. I would have been a follower. We talked about this in the episode of uh, a Shadow <laughs> Puppets. It's like when you when you're in a position where you are taking orders, you will take those orders, and especially so if you're in a disciplined position where you are trained to be a, a weapon you know, it's mm-hmm. about go it's it's there's only one switch it goes on and off that's it <laughs> yeah okay so um... charity says something here showing huck killing her fellow marines was preparing us that she will kill her friends if she feels that's for the greater good i was thinking the other way i feel like we needed to see that scene and i like that it was like almost an entire episode of filled with her backstory just to i feel like it's more of a prep for us to get ready for this conflict to get ready to hear that campus colony you know has gone under mm. okay you know what yeah she also says sharon she says she was also going to kill mm-hmm. felix before hope fired the gun now hold on a second right before she was about to make the killing blow though huck does stop she hesitates she said i'm sorry yep she said i'm sorry and she stops and and then she's about to do it but it takes a long time yeah and th- that, that was a lot of hang time yeah. there so, uh, it's not easy for her but she will do it you know yeah. i think sharon has a point she will if it's for the greater good it's not 
not not that it would be easy. She would. Oh, she she said she hesitated before she killed um, mm. the last Marine who was called D- D- Drake. But that's the thing. But only in as much as like Drake was her first of all her commanding officer, perhaps lover. We don't know. <laughs> At least good friend. I mean, you know, brother, brothers in arms. Which means she gave him a chance, you know, too. Like I think she gave Drake a chance. But I think it's different though. I feel like she spent more time with Felix, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, I mean, we see her spending more time with, with Felix, but I, we, we have no idea what the history is between her and Drake. Oh, no, that's what I meant. She spends more time with Felix than she has spent with Drake, I think. But we don't know. Well, we we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I find it kind of There's inter- more screen time, but... I feel like, though, also, like, we... we it's something to note is that Felix and Huck have been hanging out for just as long t- a time as Felix and Will, which is also interesting. So they, they all have this chance to kind of develop a relationship with them. So I don't know how long that took, though. I wish I knew the span of time. Well, okay. At the beginning of the season, we know Leo's been gone a few months. So we know Will's also been gone that same amount of time. But we know that Felix met Will and Huck at the same time. So Felix and Huck have at least three months more time together than he and Will. At least yeah, at the beginning true. of the season. That's true. <laughs> Not to mention all this travel time that they've done, which we've concluded is at least another three months, right? Maybe more? Well, I was going to say at least a month because the month was mentioned as a passage of time after the BOG, I think it was. Okay. Just all past right. the BOG. I remember when we were talking about shadow puppets, it was like just a little over a month. People's st- hair started to oh, grow sure. out. Sharon D said she thought Leo was gone for a year. No, I don't think so. I don't think it had been that long. I think long. it was just three months. Oh, you know what it was? I th- you know what? You're right. It, okay, hold on. I know what it is. It had been I three months. What- it had been three three months since they received a message. That was now, it. Now, see, I thought Leo said he might be gone for a year. He was saying how long he might be gone. Well, all I know is that they hadn't received a message in three months until Huck okay. sends her message. You get it? Okay. So, yes, it could have been a, a year. Okay. Right? Well, damn it. That just screwed up my whole timeline. Now I'm all all over the place. Which means, okay, which also means, so it's been at least a year, if not more, probably more, um, that Felix and Huck have had time to be people together, be friends. So, so yeah, that's a long time. That's a significant amount of time. All right. So, which means that Felix and Will have also been apart for for that year. Right. Which means that Felix and... They've been apart for longer than they were together. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out also. Is like, when did they yeah. get together? How long? Because because they met when Huck met. So, mm-hmm. they've just they've had just the same amount of time to kind of figure out where, who they want to be, how they want to be, decide they love each other, and then all of a sudden they have to depart. <laughs> So it's maybe let's just say two years. So Huck infiltrated two years and not just for hope. We'll say that much. Right. No, definitely not. Oh, no. Sandy says it sounds like John and June. They're, they're apart more than they're together. Hmm. Uh, I think honestly, I think Will and I think Will and Felix had a better go of it than John and June. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, that, that got me, me emotional. And I don't even know why, like this is the first time we've even seen Will. And the, but when the two of them come back together, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Isn't that weird? That's so freaking weird. We're so easily manipulated. <laughs> well, I think, I think that just, that shows what amazing, you know, actors and writers and, you know, film crew goes into this show. I mean, that they can do that to us so quick. And that Will's a pretty man. He's just easy. Yeah, that doesn't that, that doesn't hurt. Like, <laughs> that does he, not hurt. Easy on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Charity's yeah. saying they sure as hell had a better reunion than John and June. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yup. Well, so far, I mean, got to see what happens. Johnny, Why is he out there in the woods? Yeah. So you're thinking the same thing I am. Well, what I was suspecting, but I, I'm not ultimately able to go down that road. Do you think? So say it out loud. Do you think partly will it, will might be a spy of some kind? I do not. You don't? Okay. I don't. No, I think um, we hear Leo mention that Will's what scouting detail was due back a few days prior. I think. I think this these scouts, whoever were going out there, were to be executed, and something happened, and they escaped. Yeah. And Will and this group of people were supposed to be executed, and are and are now survivors. Will and Romano and Dwyer. I'm kidding. Like Romano, mm -hmm. yeah. whoever. Yeah. Well, I guess it would be Romano. Yeah, that's who we yeah. went with. You saw the extra scene in between the episodes, right? Right. The, which is kind of okay. what we mentioned, like the stinger. You mean right between the episodes? Well, and which also, yeah, which links up to what Leo says to Lila about the scouting trip, not coming back, haven't come back for mm -hmm. how long was it? Three days? Three days. A few, I think he said a few days. Yeah. Or, yeah. Vague. They like to be vague with timelines. Assholes. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. Because I know. Otherwise I know. They really should. <laughs> So, Don't yeah, give so, me a concrete timeline. See, I'll you destroy see, it. <laughs> you literally see Will trying to escape the. Di I I think I, what yeah. I think happened was somebody loose lips sink, sink ships, and like Will had overheard somebody say in the detail, "Oh yeah, we we fragged the shit out of Campus Colony," <laughs> and that's and that's how you knew what happened. And then mm -hmm. of course you have to keep in mind that the, in the span of time, they this is like a month later, a month or so later, because obviously this is all happening really quickly. Um, and we find out the Campus Colony is destroyed a month later crossing the river and then all of a sudden something lets somebody rips a fart about campus colony going <laughs> under and then will's like oh fuck that i'm out and so mm -hmm. that's what happens and then you see at the end will is obviously with whomever it is and this is i hope you caught this because what before hope huck depart from felix and iris huck has a thing with felix a little conversation about you know you're still aces blah 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 that whole thing you know yeah. but in this world you know guy you got to do you got you got to do good to to, you got to do bad to do good. Mm -hmm. Just before that, she says this specifically, and I write this very loudly in quotes. Um, <laughs> she says something that's almost like a throwaway. Five miles north, you'll find safety. So, oh, yeah. so Huck knows about whatever this resistance is or whatever this thing is. She, is that what you took from that? That's not what I took from that. Or what did you think? I, I mean, I if I'm being honest, I, I didn't trust her in that moment. I right. thought it would be a trap you know if she's saying go that way i'd go the opposite <laughs> but she is also looking out for them and practically begs elizabeth to leave them alone so i don't i don't know i mean what would i mean it could just be she also knew about that house that they stayed in with the with the medical supplies that she lied about she knew about that place too so it could just be another abandoned did she though? something or other that she's directing well yeah she took that when she purposely crashed the truck she led them to the house that they stayed at but you think that was on purpose like or like I obviously know that she crashed the thing on purpose, but you think she actually meant to go to that specific house? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But maybe it was just something that she saw while they were driving. Then, because she, she knew, like she knew right where to go. I just assumed it was something she knew about, like ahead of time. But maybe she saw it driving past. I wonder. So, okay, Sharon D says I mm -hmm. like I like this that idea though. Maybe she's a fifth column leader, like Huck. Basically, Huck is a fifth column leader. Mm. That would be something. Annette said in an interview that she mm. and Nico did most of their own stunts. That's right. 
in that fight scene in the house was and the house was actually on fire yeah because i know that mm-hmm. the series now like the twd universe really likes practical effects now ever since they tried to do a lot more cg in seasons eight and seven no practical is always better yeah <laughs> even though it's harder and not safe <laughs> it is but but so worth it so worth it so i want to go back to that piece though like because she mentioned this mentions this and it's almost like it's almost like a throwaway this five mm-hmm. miles north you'll find safety like how do you know that and with whom how with what because they do go five five miles north on foot you know they just walk it no problem <laughs> and what do they find will these people who are these people mm-hmm. right how does she know about them See, why would there's she know no about them? way she could there's no way she could know about them they were they that happened what like a few days ago because leo says they were supposed to be back a few days ago so they oh no i don't really think she knows about will but i think she knows about oh. a an element of some kind out there oh do you know what i mean that's okay. what i mean because behind will is a bunch of people and i'll go into it in a second mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i saw a couple of bearded fellas and one mm-hmm. of them to me and i know i'm wrong i know i'm wrong okay i'm just saying this i'm saying this out loud everybody i know i'm wrong but one of them to me kind of looked like rick grimes i paused and stared at my screen for probably 30 minutes right and at one point they all looked like rick and then the very (laughs) next moment none of them looked like rick and then all of them were rick again so yeah i was I think it was on purpose, though. I think so. I mean, too. they gave us that. Yeah, they gave us that that trick, and they're like, "We want people staring at their screens till their eyeballs pop out." <laughs> right. Otherwise, why bother? Like uh, this. This is like that. Yeah. It's like when they teased uh, Michonne in the end of season two. Was it? I think it was. Into it wasn't really the same actors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Her introduction. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just her in the shadows as a kind of a silhouette, mm-hmm. and then like the next, then they finally hired the actress who became cast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this might have been. A similar situation where it's just like it's a stand-in for rick grimes you know what i'm saying it's like a stand-in for him (laughs) it's really him though (laughs) no i don't know i did on my second watch though i did try to pay attention to like photos in the background or pictures on a table or like anything any glimpse of rick grimes in the background of anything just to justify the the imdb page (laughs) (laughs) or like or like um hal cumston's or nico tortorella's comments when i knew I knew it was a troll, but at the same time, it's like, now it's like in your head. Cause it does kind of yeah. look like Rick Grimes. And I was looking for Michonne and I didn't find any black ladies in the background. So that's, that's that. <laughs> not happening it was quite foggy but yeah it was it was hard to see on purpose yeah Mm. yeah but not to get ahead of ourselves going back huck knows who that there's a general idea of something out there so what does that mean and who is who is with whom Mm. and maybe this whole greater good thing is a means to get hope over to the cr but maybe huck isn't necessarily working for the cr so how otherwise how would she know that safety for them would be out there why would she want them to find safety why would she even suggest it to find these people yeah it's it's something to kind of hold on mm. to put it in your head and just just keep <laughs> it there because she yeah. knows these people are out there she knows they're out there she doesn't know about will she knows these people are out there so so when she says five miles north and you said that that was the direction they headed how how do you how are we sure of that just because i i must have missed something because <laughs> they went on foot <laughs> 
<laughs> but they could have went in any direction. Well, they went. They went where they where they. I'm guessing they went where Huck told them okay. to go. I have okay, to assume. All right, all right. I just make sure I didn't miss something. We now interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast for an important post production note. All this time we've been discussing the fact that the civilians that Huck saved in the past, when the sky fell or when the fall of civilization, we assumed that these civilians were remitted to the Civic Republic and they became citizens of the Republic. But what if the very people that she sends Iris and Felix to are those very civilians? What if that easily explains why she's able to send them to safety? Now, the reason why this is is because Huck was stationed in New York at the time of the fall. She was stationed in Middletown, New York. Why we know this is because of Garnett Medical Center. There's only one Garnett Medical Center in the entire country, and it's in New York. This easily ties things together to why she's able to tell them where to go, which also means that Elizabeth does not know about these people. Had she known about these people, it would be one less group for Huck to fall back on. You know, the unmitigated success of capturing hope, that sort of thing. What this also tells us is that Huck's story is very real. Her time in the U.S. Marine Corps is very real. So, onward with the podcast. I think you mean Iris, uh, Sharon D. Maybe her, their real goal is to get hope to the forest people, she says. I think, but I think you mean Iris. No, I think she means hope, because hope's the, the genius, and so maybe hope can help the forest people. But nobody knows that hope and Iris are a team. They're right. a duo. Well, this was the big the big thing, was as Hope and Iris are departing, one of the things they'd retread was that scene where they're saying goodbye. And, mm. and it makes it apparent, like in the beginning of the episode... Leo lays out why why Hope is so special. From the moment she was born, they were protecting each other, and then he Leo saw himself that Hope was extraordinary, even though she didn't act like it. You know, but all he saw was Hope's was Hope's genius, and not Iris making her better. And which is what we see near the end as they retread over the scene of them saying goodbye to each other, Green Girl, and all that. And one of the things they ins what Hope sorry what Iris inserted or Hope inserted in the retread of Leo's memories was that that where she's taking apart the. Computer Computer and blah blah blah. Uh, Iris comes in there, baby, you know, child Iris comes in there and shows her what parts to finish off with. Leaves the room and then Hope, uh, sorry, Hope is in there <laughs> looking up at Dad's like, "Look, I did it, Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> it's Look like, what I did. but what they don't know is that you're the brave one. You're the one who's taking the risks. And I wrote this down. Like I wrote like what makes them so special. But what makes them special together is that Iris is the one who takes more risks. You know, Hope is the one who is more tactile. You know, more practical. You know, she's more grounded. She she seems to read people better and acts accordingly. You know, Iris will move bravely, you know, without, you know, sometimes without thinking, but then, you know, trusting her instincts. Hope has good, instincts, uh, yeah. Iris has good instincts, but so does Hope, you know, in terms of like knowing when to stay away from danger or, or not pursuing, calling people out on their bullshit. And then Iris is the one who believes in people, like in spite of the danger. <laughs> so they make, they do complement each other more than just intelligence. And so by the end of it, yeah. you're, you're seeing Will, Iris, and Felix walking away and I you really get a sense of you know Iris is like this new resistance leader type person and Hope is this kind of like intelligent you know gonna figure out the problems of the world type person you know it's like Iris is like this guerrilla leader now and like like mm. how weird is that but it's also kind of cool that would be really weird I mean wouldn't you think Will or Felix would fall into that role yeah I don't <laughs> I'm, just a child. Seeing, I'm just seeing <laughs> Felix Felix not embracing ambition. Will, I, I don't know about Will. I don't know about Will. We don't know anything about Will, to be honest. Like, he mm -hmm. just seems very sweet. Makes good decisions so far, maybe. I don't know. He's very smart. He has a few degrees. He's, he's very smart. He's alive. <laughs> he's alive. Yeah. That's already a tick in his corner. <laughs> that's, a, that's always a good thing. 
Um, so Sharon is saying they show, they foreshadow the teamwork when they're having dinner in the flashback with Leo and Felix and they talk about dinner in the carrots. Yeah. Also them, them quickly booking it. Hey, would you check on dessert girls? <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually also want to go back to Silas for just a second. If we're talking about flashbacks, because one of the things that ends up happening in this episode is that the CR kind of, the CRM kind of pulls up and, uh, pulls up on Cyrus, Silas's place. Percy and Elton book it and the way they're able to, to throw it off is because Percy is leaving a blood trail and then Silas feels like he has to cut his hand to say that this is the source of the blood because they don't want him to continue mm -hmm. following after Percy. I hope you understood that, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One of the cool things that you figure out by the end of it and the reason why Silas feels like he needs to stay behind is first of all to save Percy and Elton so that they can save other people. And what I liked about that was one of the things that Percy, fake Percy in his head, in Elton's head says, <laughs> you know, you can leave me behind so that you can go on to help other people. What I liked about Silas's thing was he goes through his own set of flashbacks and one of his flashbacks is, or one of the, he, the things he says after the flashbacks is, I'm going to sacrifice myself so that you can help others, Elton and yeah. Percy. And I like that, like sacrificing yourself so that you can help others. Per, per, <laughs> Percy's trying to convince Elton to, to leave him behind so that he can help others. Like selfish versus selfless. I like the, the dichotomy yeah. in that. But also like I, what I liked really a lot about knowing Silas knowing that he's not a killer and then also in this moment he's reframing every act that he's had because remember Silas is afraid of killing walkers or empties let alone people yeah right and so now knowing that he's not the killer he was at peace with knowing uh, originally he's in this moment where he's reframing every little thing that he's done or he's allowed himself to do that he feels remorseful about not all of it but yeah. most of it and from putting down that walker right in front of Iris, maybe oh, I scared her, maybe, and then and then mm. holding up the the tires. Oh, he's he's got this brute strength. Oh, he's can crush me with a single glance, and so like he sees it in a different light. He's like, oh, I really am the hero, and so then he becomes that hero. You know, he's not he's not scary. He's just he just happens to be strong. I mean, like you know, I can't blame him. It's a gentle giant. Yeah, I don't know about gentle. But <laughs> <laughs> But he'll learn. gentle till he needs not to be. Before he leaves, Silas says, protect Iris, period. But no matter what Huck did, don't be the monster. I'm looking, oh. I'm looking at you, Percy. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Percy. Right. And I like right. that. I like, I like that. Now we have this. Now this character is a part of it now. So I like that because that officially indu inducts Percy into this group where now he has to wrestle with like, <laughs> and I don't know how you square that either. Like, how do you get Percy? Because here's the thing. Essentially, he's saying to Silas, to Percy, be the hero that you said you wanted to be to iris you really want to be that hero that's what it's going to take like i don't blame like you and me i wouldn't blame percy for going after huck right no i wouldn't i wouldn't blame him but the, i wouldn't but but at the same time it's huck so like now we're like how do we well i haven't this? liked i haven't liked percy from the beginning and he served his purpose so he can go ahead and die of something in the forest somewhere and we don't even have to worry about the huck factor because percy's gone he served his purpose we're done. <laughs> he served his Percy. He's done. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's interesting. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> I feel mixed feelings. Look, look, Percy is going to get in the way of Iris and Silas, and I just can't have it. Is can't he, though? Do you think? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. 
I don't, even if, even if he did, I just don't think Silas has the means to like meet up with Iris anytime soon. Like he's with the CR. This is another, this is another question that I have, by the way. It's like usually, usually the CR does not take hostages and prisoners. So what the fuck? That's interesting. Like, do they draw? That is interesting. Do they draw a limit at kids? But they didn't draw a limit at kids at Campus Colony, right? No, because they they weren't the only kids there. Right. So. Yeah, because Elizabeth does say we have one of them. Right. Not not we took care of one or, you know, we don't have to worry about one anymore. Yeah. Oh, Sharon, he's making a good point there. <laughs> okay, so she's saying, first of all, she says, how do you forgive the person that murdered your brother and mother? I'm looking at you, Alicia. <laughs> and yet, Charlie. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm not there yet, so <laughs> it's, yeah, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> yep, it has. <laughs> um, okay, so now, okay, here we go. Oh, so Sharon okay. is saying to square mm-hmm. that circle about Silas, they can use them as leverage to make Hope cooperate. Well, Elizabeth says right when they show up, she says uh, something along the lines of like, "I can see that we still have some work to do with her about meaning Hope." Right? She's not quite there, even Huck uh, during her forty-eight hour whatever. Oh, furlough. initially. <laughs> initially right says yeah says she's not ready for integration yet and then just as they're about to get on the helicopter elizabeth makes a point to say we still have a little bit of work to do with her so that could be some foreshadowing to to why she's holding on to to silas true but i feel like huck does a good job of telling her she's on board she's ready she's been tested but if she's not they've got something waiting in the wings to make her comply i'm I'm good with that but you know what i i feel like i feel like the only reason why they're holding on to silas the only reason is to get to the others maybe use him to call out for help you know get iris and felix because okay one thing that we need to make clear from now is that we know we said this already but we're gonna say it again when lila's making her fake speech to leo when we were so afraid that leo was just another dr abbott which really scared the pants off of us and she never does have that moment with him but we as a result we find out that she was one who leaked about hope and hope is going to be reunited with him in the next couple hours and it was basically all lila's fault all of all of well not all of this but most of it one of the big questions was would they would they have gone after campus connie and would they have slaughtered it all the same and what I said was, yes, 100%. They would have gone after Campus Colony anyway. They got what they wanted yeah. initially out of it. I think in a way, Lila's, in this, the only thing that Lila ended up doing as a result of that was just, okay, we saved one more potential person. And I mean, one more. They were not going to save Iris. That's all they wanted was right. Hope. Simply because Leo had been mentioning, you know, I wish Hope was here. She was extraordinary. She's exceptional, right? Is that what he says? Exceptional? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's notable because iris would not have been saved and they still don't want iris that whole bit about hope and and it comes up a few times during the episode but i found it a little confusing that hope doesn't realize how smart she is i mean is that is that believable i i feel like (laughs) and this is this really goes back to our initial conversation like right when we started you're, you're dealing with somebody who thinks that they'll never be great never so they act accordingly they, they act being out, a they, genius doesn't necessarily mean great well i, think, I mean you could be an evil genius <laughs> yeah well i think i think she even relegates it to starting shit up like if i'm i'm gonna find out how to fuck shit up that's what i'm gonna find out but then you don't really relegate this to being genius you know what i mean you don't it's like oh i'm now, sure she's got her own brewery yeah you know well yeah, she she read a book what doesn't everybody read books and figure this shit out and, and somehow make it taste <laughs> delicious 
Okay. All guess, right. All know, right. That, that got me. Every one of us, every one of us does this thing where we're always putting ourselves down, trying to make it seem like what we did wasn't great. And most of the time it's true, but like, sometimes it's not true. <laughs> and sometimes we're just no, putting ourselves down, saying. you know, but yeah. like her, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Her, especially. You're, yeah. You're absolutely right. Some people, people who are find, you know, doing this is really simple for them might be really difficult for somebody else, but oh, the person who it's easy yeah. for, doesn't think, gosh, I'm exceptional. They're like, really? you just you don't get it yeah like it doesn't make sense that other people don't understand it i guess you're talking about computers right that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> I see it. I, I see it in your eyes. <laughs> Actually, I was talking about my artwork oh. because people will say, "I don't know how you do that," and I'm like, "I don't know how not to." Right? Like, yes, yeah. It's so, like it's like music or it. another language. It it's a language that only mm -hmm. I speak, or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get it now. Okay. Yeah. See, I couldn't wrap my head around that. So it's, I'm, it's glad we, I'm glad we worked it out. It's the two things. Yeah. I mean, like one. <laughs> helps her not see the other at all for sure 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 and so and so sharon d also says she hates herself so much for killing elton's mom that she can't believe anything good about herself uh and then going okay. back to silas <laughs> <laughs> they can experiment on silas and make him some kind of crm giant super soldier like okay they could just make oh him a gosh. super soldier he's already giant so <laughs> i was just that was kind of my thought when we were talking about silas just a moment ago why wouldn't they look at this kid as an asset i mean he's a tank right like train him yeah maybe Be, you know get him to become a soldier i don't i mean huck is already i mean setting him up for per percy and tony's death i mean and again not taking hope never being a part of the equation at all from start to finish there's it is just so suspect like you would really have to work so hard so hard to convince hope and maybe this didn't factor into leo's equation of course it didn't because it's not his idea but it's like they're playing broken telephone leo's telling lila that how smart hope is and that's all she's getting and maybe that's all leo knows and then broken telephone to Kublik, broken telephone to Huck. And, you know, at the same time, they're not thinking about how would you get Hope to come on your side without Iris? How? They're inseparable. Like if they knew right. anything about Leo, like if Lila had taken all those conversations into account. And yet that's how the CRM works. Like, first of all, the less people that know about us, the better. So maybe that was the whole reason. Like if you see us, we're already dead, that whole thing. Which again, this is why I go back to Silas. It's like, there's only, there's got to be a specific reason that we already know about, which could be finding the rest to kill them, then they kill Silas. Wait, I want to read, mm -hmm. read the second comment about, she said, I mean, they're they're doing genetic research. Maybe it's crossing walkers with soldiers to create regenerating soldiers. Oh my God, regenerating Silas. That would be awesome, actually. <laughs> but then he escapes. Ooh. Oh gosh. So Sharon and I both agreed that Amelia's bead is 100% Jupiter. Okay. Did you see that? Did you see the, the red dot? I saw a little bit more detail this time around, by the way. Yes. Yeah. When Elton's holding it in his hand, which is right a, down at the bottom. That's a lake, right? That's the something like that. When he's sitting, when he's holding the, um, he's holding Amelia's bead. Like, I think it's just before he's thinking about leaving Percy behind. Right. And right at the bottom, there's a red dot. There's right. the, the, what the storm, Jupiter's red storm or whatever. Yeah. It's on the, on the bead. I just thought it was like similar to Jupiter. Like it looks exactly like Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were saying that the the other beads looked like planets. Pla so, other, yes. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was similar. Like, but when I got a good look at it this time, it was like, oh yeah, that's 
Jupiter. Yeah. Which is like Jupiter the god of gods, <laughs> Zeus. Yep. That's right. Zeus. <laughs> the planet of all planets, the giant. Um, That's what Elton is, though. Elton's a giant, even though he's tiny. Well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I had one more example of why Hope and Iris are incomplete without each other, why they're such a good team. Iris actually gives Hope the key to crack the CRM notebook pad. Iris makes the comment about reading Hope like a map and that sets off the light bulb and Hope then decodes the book. Charity's saying, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a map that I could read you because it was, she was being shady too, but yeah. Well, she was yeah. talking about leaving Felix behind. Yeah, that's some crazy talk. It's cuckoo bananas. You're the one who told him where we were initially. <laughs> right. But then I love how like each in his own way, like Felix finds a way. Cause again, one of the things that Felix is forced to confront is trusting in others to get things done to be okay oh relinquishing control relinquishing control we yes we see that's a big problem for him mm -hmm. man he's doing it all at once and it's hard but he's doing it mm. and he says it to iris he says you know you're okay you can leave me behind i thought that was kind of funny right the talk that felix and iris are having and he's explaining you're going to be fine you can go on without me you've you've grown so much you can handle yourself and all the while he's saying this to iris I'm thinking back to that first scene where where they have the walkers all around them and what are Hope and Iris doing? Eh, help, help, help. So who can take care of themselves? You know, it, it is weird because like, and I want to take a step backwards from that because I want to I want to come back to that scene. But like taking a step back, there is it is wild what Felix says to Iris initially. It was like, you learned how to fight in all of six weeks where Hope has been training for the last two years that Huck has been around to go to Omaha eventually, which she would have told mm -hmm. her sister if she'd gone. Never would have left without telling her at least, which they did talk about. Like she did sort of mention the first episode. But, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, which gets her thinking, why are you telling me this, Huck? She did tell me about this, but she never would have left without me. This was the initial her thinking, this is fucking weird. Why are you saying this to me? Right. Um, yeah. you, you know that we talk about everything. Her spidey senses were, were tingling at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And you know what really fucked me up too? Like, like really made me mad, which is probably what made Felix very mad. First of all, when, <laughs> first of all, Huck gaslighting everybody once they're found out. So at, at a certain point, Huck, let me just give everybody the background. Huck and Hope leave in the middle of the night because Hope is like, yeah, let's like leave them behind because they're <laughs> like, Felix is injured and Iris is never going to leave Felix. So, but this is obviously her way of drawing Huck out, like pretending she's on her side. And then, also figuring out if she she's gonna is the asset that like she thinks she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, yeah. she's smart. <laughs> yeah, and Felix does sort of the same thing when they finally catch up to her. He, he she she says something to the effect of like, you know, you gotta you gotta let other people do things for you, Felix. You gotta you gotta loosen the control, which brings you mm -hmm. back. Let's now leave that there. Takes you back to the initial flashback when we first meet Will. And what is what is Will trying to do for Huck? A psych eval, right? Mm -hmm. But who who's doing the psych eval? Felix at first. No. Or 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 the real psych eval. The real, real psych eval. Oh, the real one. Yeah, yeah. Huck. Because <laughs> he sees this interaction with them and he's like, she's like, okay, I see, I see. Okay, I can take that yeah. two years later when I'm fucking you up in this house. And up but, what you're spilling. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, and that's what pisses him the fuck off. He's like, and then he puts on the super super Felix voice three. 
Don't don't you dare fucking move. Don't you dare Super Felix 3 voice move. <laughs> I just I know it was notable because the fake Felix Felix voice is awful, but like Super Felix voice 3, it's not bad actually. It's kind of it tickled my balls a little bit, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Warm your seat a little. <laughs> a little put a little hair on my chest. It was great. <laughs> it it grew hair on my chest. It made hair blossom. <laughs> Hearing <laughs> Super Felix voice three. Nature's <laughs> masculinity grew hair on your chest. <laughs> don't you dare fucking move, Huck. Don't you dare, motherfucker. You're like, like, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Right. Okay. I love that he gives her the keys and then takes her gun too. That was a, that was a smooth move. Mm. That was very smooth. Mm. It's like disco. It was like, mm. right? Mm. Like it was, it was like a, it was like a magic trick, right? Like, here you go. Pay attention over here while I misdirect and grab this over here. For flam flam. <laughs> Let's go back to that scene with it because you talked about their fighting skills and. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, again, to reiterate, it is kind of fascinating. And maybe this is just the way the show is. They're just going to magically make Iris be able to fight in six weeks, where I hope is taking particularly <laughs> longer for some reason. But she needed it more for the discipline, right? Anyway, mm -hmm. we go back to when they were first going to go to the first haunted house where Huck crashes the car, gets at a flat tire. They go to his house. One of the things I find interesting about that scene where the barbed wire empties are closing in on them is it looked a lot like a trap. And I thought it might have been on purpose because oh. all of a sudden they're surrounded by these barbed wire walkers mm -hmm. and like that was I, weird yeah all the and now it wasn't them like i thought for a second like on my second watch i'm like this is very strange this looks almost like a snare do you know what i mean they walk into yeah. a, a c like a like a little letter c they walk into a c and all of a sudden the c closes in on them and turns into a circle oh yeah yeah and you can even see the moment where huck is slashes sort of slashes felix's back leg too mm -hmm. but i love that sound effects when they, when she does the backtrack like ka -ching! sound effect oh when, yeah when she, i thought that was very well, the very like um video game like almost oh yeah with the sound effects i uh the very first time the first time i watched it i i was like yelling at huck right i'm like why are you just standing there why are you just standing there obviously later we find out why and then on the the second time i watched it i paid closer attention and that was when i saw her take take the swing because i the first time i'm like what are you swinging at there's nothing <laughs> this is bad acting Ugh. <laughs> more bad <laughs> acting from huck god damn from annette mandrew <laughs> Meanwhile, no. back at the ranch. <laughs> Even when it looks like they're not doing anything, it's for a reason, though. Yeah, I think um, Iris and Hope could have figured it out. But you know, yeah. but no, notice that Hope was having more of a problem than Iris had believed, right? Is that right? It feels like it. Well, here's what I saw. It, what I saw was both of these girls in the exact same position as far as risk and danger. They were both equally at risk. And so I'm watching this and I see that Huck is about to to help right and i went who is she gonna say first who is she gonna say first like that was gonna be my figure out like who is the asset whoever she rescues first is gonna be the asset and then she takes both of them down with one bullet and i'm like well screw me then <laughs> yeah isn't that clever <laughs> there though? goes that theory yes it was i was i was ready for it and then they denied me this information you know what's I a loved very it, though. you know it's really <laughs> super interesting though like we saw 
Huck with her silencer um, right from the beginning of Truth or Dare. I think it was. I think, if I'm not mistaken, we okay. saw we saw her like 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 tightening the silencer right from the beginning of that episode, and then she sees the Marine. Now, where mm-hmm. in on this God's green earth would you find a silencer? They're not readily available. They're not. Did she not have? She didn't have one right from Campus Colony. I don't. I, honestly, I don't remember the first time I saw the silencer. I, I can't remember. I know. The first time. I think that was the first time I saw it. I don't think she had it. Okay. Before then, which is interesting because silencer denotes assassin or somebody who works in covert ops or some sort mm-hmm. of thing like that. You would not, in practical senses, use one. Well, wouldn't you though? With walkers, or with empties wandering around, wouldn't you want a silencer? I think they're illegal in some states. Why don't guns <laughs> all have silencers? <laughs> silencers affect the gun performance, which is not desirable. Okay, so yeah, that's that's the big minus is that it mm. does. Okay, and Cora, this is a Cora, so I don't fight with Cora. They muffle the sounds some and they add considerably to the size. The other reason for silencers is stealthy weapons like snipers might use them for assassins. For that, silencers are highly regulated by the Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms. Ah, so they are regulated. There are stiff, li- stiff license fees and heavy paperwork required to own and use one, which is not true for mm. owning and using most guns. Therefore, most gun owners don't want one because right. regulations. Why would you need it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's this for? Huh? What? 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 Uh, you know, the apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, but then soldiers, but we didn't know she was a soldier initially. And she yeah. definitely was one, wasn't one by the time Campus Colony went around. She's not really a soldier. Security detail. I'm mentioning, silent, uh, Sharon D says, it's the apocalypse. I'm sure they can supply soldiers with silencers. So Sharon D says, they're for hunting. Don't want to spoil the herd. But yeah, but it would affect your, the performance as well. So, and then the the bother of having to register it and paperwork and all that. Why bother? Also, why put your name on a registry, which is a lot of what gun, gun owners don't want. They don't want to be put on a registry where, they, where you know they you're on a list somewhere so with the atf so that make that makes sense to me but again not readily available it's not going to be and it's definitely not going to be out in the wild that's the thing like just to find a silencer yeah. laying on the ground somewhere exactly yeah, no you wouldn't I, no. but but it, i mean if that is the first time we see the silencer don't you why wouldn't felix ask about it just like he asked about the watch that's a good point he too. Noticed, I mean, it's Huck, though. Like, why would you even think to... I don't know. I guess, why would you question her? And it's now her I fir- want to go back and had it in the first episode. I kind of do, too. I don't remember. But we're, I, I, I'm going to assume that we haven't, and we'll just move on yeah. from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, too. It is detachable. Sharon D says uh, she may have had it hidden in her pack for the most part. That's true, too. Uh, she could have had it with her, and we just didn't see it until then. So what makes now... That is true. What makes now so important, right? I well, mean, again, she had to, truth she had to or dare. To shoot yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's yeah. my whole point. Is that yeah, truth or dare? By the end of truth or dare, silencer. Yeah, do you? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Close up, close range. So it's it's a little easier. You're not <gasps> going to miss. Does this make you? Does this make you go back and be like, how didn't I see this sooner? <laughs> but I mentioned this for to illustrate that point. Is that like yeah, the show wants you to know that it was her. <laughs> the show wants you to know in retrospect. Oh, I killed the shit out of those people. <laughs> And I covered it up by bashing dead Tony in the face (laughs) and pinning in on Silas. Again, the heavy cost that Huck has to pay for the greater good, which she was not wanting to pay up front with the the U.S. Marine Corps. I'm definitely still Team Huck as well, Sharon D. I, I I think she's a good guy. I do. I think she's a good guy. Like she has said over and over again, sometimes you got to do bad to do good. But I think at her core, she she is good. 
She's a good guy. Also, and I think it does satisfy a certain contingent of watchers <laughs> who are in that camp, which is like, oh, sometimes we watch the, the Walking Dead to see that people do have to do bad things for good causes. You know, so yeah. it satisfies that bunch of people. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, that is pretty complicated, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why, can I, why am I okay with Huck's actions, but, uh, but I can't stand Strand? <laughs> yeah. And, and so Sharon D says she's the anti-strand. Yeah. <laughs> the <Yep>. anti-strand. Gotta <laughs> do bad to do good. Or, I'm perfectly fine with that. Or, or I guess she Huck, is the strand. Is <laughs> yeah. Well, Huck is also honest about it, I guess. that uh, I mean, that's why I like her. She's honest about it. She says sometimes you gotta do bad to do good. Strand is just so, he's so devious and he's so manipulative and it's just, just different. slimy. He's just slimy. You know? I you just, know what? You know what I think it is? I think I figured it out. It's just that Strand <laughs> is just too good looking and it's hard to trust a man that's that good looking. I think it really is because like he does fess up to it, to John and everybody's like, you know, I, yeah, there was no other choice. If she didn't, like he plays the chess game. He's like, there was no other choice. If if you guys would have run away, they would have caught up to both of you. Both of you would be dead. So I had to choose the path, the least resistance. And like Janice is no family. She has nobody else to live for. This is it. You know, like she is doing, she is willingly saying, I'm going to sacrifice myself so that you guys can live. And that's it. <laughs> Charity, let's just close it off with never trust skinny jeans. That's, that's what right. That's what Charity says. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's two things I want to bring up before because okay. I know I know I'm gonna forget, and I know this is it's the stupidest thing, but I know that nobody else has it. Okay, one. Okay, flashback. Felix meets Will for the first time. Huck is there. They're gonna do the psych eval, the intake, whatever it is. Two things that happen. Doctor Bavilar is mentioned again. I tried to pop his name in Bavilar into an anagram thing, and I couldn't find anything significant. Like to like uh -huh. take apart Bavilar and switch it around somehow. But now mm -hmm. I don't trust this Doctor Bavilar because he tell he tell tells Will to come in and and take over. And I'm like, I don't trust Will either. I don't trust any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't trust this. I don't know if I like or dislike Dr. Bavilar because I just, the fact that you know his name after so many episodes, it's got to mean something, doesn't it? Like if he comes up again, like, like, like all the way at the end of season two, Dr. Bavilar, what are you I doing? Oh, you're the spy. <laughs> when did we hear about Dr. Bav Bavilar before this episode? Pilot. The pilot when Huck and Felix are spray painting the people blue. The, oh, the, yes. The okay. empties blue. That's right. And in the second episode when, when Elton is doing the same thing with the orange spray paint. Okay. Okay. All right. I was thinking maybe Dr. Bavilar was the third gentleman, the other gentleman we saw in the picture with Lila, Abbott, and Leo. That, that, that would be thought. something. That would, that would be really cool. I, but it also would make sense, by the way, if he if that other doctor was from Omaha. But it could be Dr. Bavilar. Yeah. Like, because right, you have we four different, right, you have Campus uh, Colony, Omaha, Omaha yeah. Portland, and CR, right? And Lila's from CR. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I would like it that it was <laughs> Dr. Val. Yeah, it would be great if it was Dr. Babylon, because then we'd put a name to the face, right? Anyways, so, okay, there's that. But when Will comes in and Felix stands up and, and you know, make, makes way for him, steps over, you see, a, you see a sign behind Felix and the sign. Oh, damn, I missed it. Yeah, you did see it, but you're like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't have time for this shit. So the sign says post wall safety. And here's the thing in full. And I really, really took some time to, to figure out what this says. <laughs> have you registered your travel plans with Campus Colony Security? Stay to your planned route. Note hotspots and report hazard zones. The Campus Colony Travel Planning Department will review current conditions and determine the best travel routes to your destinations. Registration provides arrival confirmation services and a rescue action plan in case of emergency. Respect the dangers. <laughs> there's a, there's a checklist on the right that I cannot make out. But I also wanted to know another thing. Nebraska State University does not exist. <laughs> it's not a real. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's not. You'd think it was, but it isn't. Wow, that's really surprising. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> but furthermore, because if it was, their logo would mean something because their logo is completely made up. Mm. The Nebraska State University logo at the top, it mirrors, I feel like they took what they imagined the Nebraska State University is. It's, it's a, their emblem is a book with a candle in the middle and two corn, okay. husks of corn or stalks of corn on the sides, which is so funny okay. when you think about it. Oh, it's like knowledge is the candle and the book is open and the thing and the port -a -port -a -port -a -port, <laughs> it's a circle and all that. And then, but like, if you look at the banner for, for NSU, like it's a bunch of circles and they, it, there's like this weird transition. And then also, do you, I'm saying this for the for a purpose because they must have based the campus colony uh, the campus colony logo. So like now they're not NSU, they're campus colony. They must have based the campus colony logo after the civil defense logo because it, it's a circle with two C's and a triangle, just like the civil defense one, where it's a C and a D mm -hmm. with a circle and a triangle. And I thought yeah, that was yeah. kind of cool. Like so, mm. and then and then later on when they became the alliance of the three, it became three circles in a sort mm -hmm. of triangle triangle, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a method to this weird madness. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> I love how <laughs> Sharon <D's laughs> speech to the desk was Vorn Huskers. I mean corn huskers. <laughs> but how did that fuck up? Anyway, so. <laughs> well corn huskers are um Nebraska University and you. So not there's no Nebraska State University. That's all I'm saying. It's just Nebraska just and you. Yeah. <laughs> and <Okay>. you. <laughs> Huck was going to give Hope some peeps for her birthday next week. Barf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't like peeps? <laughs> peeps are the garbage of candy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, as a <laughs> as a Jew who doesn't celebrate Easter, I happen to like peeps. Because <laughs> do you? Because I don't. Because <sighs> I don't eat them at all, ever. Really, think I don't think either. <laughs> It wasn't a thing growing up as a kid, is what I'm saying. So oh. as an adult, it's like, give me more. Oh, see, I like candy corn and like the mellow candies. I, I like those. I'm all about those. Yeah. Oh my God. We just bought those a, are my favorite. I, you know what? If it wasn't for the fact, like, I think we ran out of candy corn before Halloween came around <laughs> because my wife bought two packs, like the pumpkins and the assorted yes. candy corns. We finished all that shit before best. Halloween. We finished it all oh, yeah. before Halloween. <laughs> I would too. And I would too. Too. And then out of guilt, we didn't buy any more. It's like, we don't deserve it. <laughs> like you are, you it. know what's going to happen. We finished it in a week. We finished both bags in a week. That's it's like, no, we didn't. That's a, that's a whole week? That You should be proud. I had it well. gone that, the night it came home. <laughs> it's like, I feel like it's mostly my fault because all the editing I've been doing. It's like, it wouldn't it even just... have made it to the, to the cabinet. <laughs> 
Just come right with me, little buddy. <laughs> I'll, I'll treat you real nice. <laughs> Late night editing sessions. Yeah. Oh my god. I portion control. Like I'll, I'll like put like a little bit in a in a dish, and then I'll just that's it. That's it, yo. Can't do more than that. Um, okay, Huck says something that maybe I, I don't. Maybe I read into it too far, and maybe it means absolutely nothing. But Hope is talking to Huck about possibly coming back willingly, or you know, well, what if I don't want to? What if I still don't want to go back? And Huck says they'll find you. They always find you. But she says it in such a way that almost made me feel like she had firsthand experience with that, right? Oh yeah. But furthermore, she says it in such a weird, cryptic way. It, mm-hmm. And I was going to bring this up too. She says nothing will happen to you. Yeah, that's how she says. She says it. it like that first. Mm-hmm. And just, just so you know, so it's just like you know, the less struggle you have, first of all, they'll get me right off the bat. Huck is chopping block done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then now you got to start thinking about your sister and your brother Felix, mm-hmm. and then you yeah. got to think of Silas and Elton, whom you know you feel kind of bad about, don't you? So <laughs> the the more you come willingly, and so I feel like as they're about. By the way, when they're this is on the road, she says on the road to the truck finally right and and if felix and sorry felix they all have this conversation and blah blah blah. they take the truck they take the truck they go to meet the helicopter and they're in the truck just before they're about to meet elizabeth in the helicopter and huck goes sir do you have any regrets to hope she goes no or something something along those lines hope says it the three things she's that huck has been wanting her to say all along it's all about the greater good it's all about the big picture it's it's all about the future and huck looks at her very strangely she goes huh all right <laughs> and then they go. Yeah. But like, cause like, cause and I, and I say this on purpose because when you, when you say it about like, okay, she said it in a particular way, like, okay, nothing will happen to you because they need you and they'll find you, but things mm-hmm. will happen to us. And so it's like, it almost doesn't matter what hope says in that moment, all about the big picture, blah, blah, blah. Meaning she, she hasn't like, it's almost stupid for Huck to even ask the question. Like you're going no matter what <laughs> you right. have no choice, right. but as long as there <laughs> is a choice or as long as there's still, cause there is always a choice. It's, it is stupid to ask the question, but she's still, set, you know, like, where are you at? Where are you at mentally? Mm-hmm. And H- Hope chooses the, the thing that she is really looking for. Hope is choosing the thing that Huck is really looking I want you to want this. There's no yeah. point if you don't want this. And I feel like it doesn't matter. And I feel like she says it. And I feel like she's almost lying about it in a weird way. But the fact that like Huck is kind of like not sure is also kind of interesting because, and this is my bigger point, Hope is a mirror for Huck in a weird way. Sure. In, in a weird way, Huck maybe doesn't believe also, but also maybe believes that there's no choice, <laughs> but maybe has to has to believe it's for the greater good. It, it's kind of like um, you want, let me put it into you in terms within the show that they've said before. Leo has to be all right. Mm-hmm. Will has to be all right, or else what did I just send them off to do? You're know, like, yeah. otherwise I'd feel guilty. Huck stuck there too. This so has the, to be for the greater good. Right. Has to be. Otherwise, what was all the killing for? Right. Yep. Otherwise, everything I've done is has no meaning and worse than that it's it's a terrible meaning um i guess i guess what i what i heard (laughs) i guess what i heard when uh huck said that to to hope was that either one she had tried to run and before and they found her or two she was sent to go find someone who had run Mm. i I got the feeling that huck had personal experience with incident runners the incident incident, right it could be the incident that elizabeth's referring to They always find you. That's what Charity just said. Right. Yeah. I like that. They she brought that. Always find. The way she said that made me feel like she 
knew personally that they would come and find you. Oh my God. And, and that, what a, what a weird mirror because like Leo all always find hope and always know what she did. Same thing with Elizabeth. <laughs> Maybe there was the same thing that was going on. And what's weird is that like Huck must've got a ton of passes, you know, being oh, right? the daughter of Elizabeth Kublik, right. And taking mm -hmm. advantage of that and being smarter than the average bear. But at the same time, mothers are complicated too. <laughs> mothers have a funny way of showing <laughs> how they love you, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> Uh, now, Sharon D says, I love the way Huck talked Hope down the same way she talked Walter down a couple of episodes ago. The super mm -hmm. calm, almost monotone voice, you know, you know, I can save you. It was, it was just great. <laughs> Emil, the bounty hunter, lol. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, Emil was a little bit more charming than, than Huck, I think. <laughs> I think I, so, too. Yeah. I, I would, I would want him to chop my head off by the end of it. <laughs> Okay, Emil, go ahead. That little fear boner. It's like that. Oh, hello. It's okay. <laughs> go right ahead. It's okay. As long as it's, as long as it's you. <laughs> I was going to get really mad at that scene the second time I watched it where Hope is holding the gun on Huck only because I'm super nitpicky. And in the scene before that, Hope has on her CRM jacket. And then in this next scene, she has a totally different coat on that's like bright green. Does she? Maybe she has yes, both on. Yes, she does. Huh? She does have both on. Yes. That's uh -huh. why I didn't get mad the second time because I paid closer attention and the CRM jacket is underneath this other one. So where she got the other one, who knows? They both got backpacks on, so they're carrying a bunch of stuff. But, yeah. but I was ready to be mad. <laughs> well, just like just like Elton had a similar colored uh, rain slicker jacket sort of thing to go over his corduroy. <laughs> corduroy yeah, right. Suit. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, I I wanted to just mention before we, we go forward is that um I, I'll put her name up in the post production, but she said so. Who, who's ready to uh, cosplay as Silas? And I'll say I am. I'll I'll play a very old Silas who's made it way <laughs> past in the future because I can see. See me doing go. that. I can see me wearing <laughs> the the whole ensemble, like where where it's like the sweater vest is corduroy, the jacket is corduroy. The oh pants. wait, Elton. You mean Elton, not oh, Silas? Sorry. I meant I meant, the, I meant Elton. Elton. Yes, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Uh, yeah. Next uh, next time humans are around, allowed to be around each other again at a comic con, <laughs> yeah. there it will just be a sea of corduroy. <laughs> oh my god! I think somebody already has. By the way, I think somebody already awesome. has. Just before the lockdown and everything, when they knew it was coming, I think I saw somebody or do uh, Silas, uh, sorry, an Elton cosplay. Because it's easy, right? It's somewhat easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you just have to get the right outfit and then curl your hair, right? <laughs> so Sharon, was saying that scene was just beautifully shot, the scene with uh, Hope and Huck in the forest. Uh, and, and she says, Who's, who says, who says, I hope she, I hope he's not freezing to death hope, in his little suit? Hope does. Right. Hope says it. Yeah. Because right. Iris is laying on the guilt trip about how cold it is outside and trying to make, well, Hope thinks she's trying to make her feel guilty <laughs> for Silas and Elton being out, out in the world somewhere. Right. <laughs> Freezing in this little suit. <laughs> oh, this is on the way to walking to the house, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so funny because like then then um Iris is warning Hope about not stepping on the whatever it is on the ground. And I think it's mm -hmm. the barbed I think it's the barbed wire. Stop. Oh my God, you're probably right. They Didn't... don't really show it. She just says watch watch your step or something, it... and then you see her step over something. But... Right. And you're thinking oh it's God. like, oh, it's, yeah, it's right. probably dog poop or something. <laughs> Like, I was no. thinking like a limb. I thought it was like a leg or an arm or something. <laughs> And yet that's the snare. That's that's the, yeah, the barbed you're right. wire. You're absolutely right. Oh my god. This is kind of what I wanted to get to. Like and like it doesn't matter in the end. Like it's it could be a trap, it could not be. I don't know. It just seems like <laughs> it is. 
Yeah. Sharon D. saying the walkers that were linked together with the barbed wire uh, made her think of Iris's sketch dreams in the first episode at the very beginning when she dreamed of herself being a walker. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that whole scene was kind of reminiscent of her, her dream sequence in the beginning. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what's so funny is that, like, Iris is alone in those dreams. She is alone. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, we haven't really examined what, what that what her dream actually means. It's like, okay, without hope. Yeah, that's that's how it would pretty much end up. Like, Iris would be so busying herself with the future that she would have joined all the campus colony deaths, too, which is why I was emphasizing how this whole Lila thing and the CRM wanting hope, Iris never figured into the equation. And how would you imagine oh. Leo would have felt and hope if they had gone off and what would become of, like, the Iris is not part of the equation. What, she died tragically mm. with campus colony? How? They got overrun by walkers. Whatever. I don't believe a word of that shit. Like, even mm -hmm. Leo, by the end of this episode, he's like, you know, first of all, the emphasis on, you know, no more lies. And Lila's about <laughs> to tell him everything, right? She, I feel yeah. like she has a genuine struggle. Like, she, either that or she knew she fucked up and she, now she has to kind of make up for it. And she still doesn't tell him in the end, right? This whole truth. Because I, I, let's tell everybody what she says to fake, to fake Leo. She says, Leo, and this is making me nervous because she's talking to that glass window again. The one that we mm. previously saw Samuel Abbott, <laughs> you have to remember now, <laughs> Samuel Abbott in blue, then the then the walkers in the telephone call with Kublik and the next stinger. You did think that you did think that Leo could be in that room? See, I didn't think that because the last time we saw that room, it was empty. Oh, it was sort of empty. You're talking about the room with all the walkers in it? Yeah, the room beyond Lila's window was right. empty the last time we saw it. No, we heard the walkers and maybe you didn't hear it, but you, you hear the walkers as the camera zooms outwards. And I, pans I, back. I did hear. You didn't I did see hear it. walkers. Right. Yeah, but I didn't see any. Right. Right. But you heard them. So mm, there's an assumption, and then like also like the idea that maybe they did this to all the other doctors. Who knows? Mm. Again, your mind is going wild. So when I first mm -hmm. saw her talking out in the window, and I'm like, ooh. Mm. And then because initially you don't know that she's in that room even. She's you're so close to her face, you don't know. Right. The camera kind of swings a certain angle, and you're like, okay, she's in that room we're familiar with. Okay, she's talking to the window. Okay, where's Leo? Why is she talking through the glass? And then, then you see the reflection. He's like, oh my God, Leo's in the dark. And oh my God. And then I don't know, this is me at that moment. I'm like, and then you realize she's practicing mm -hmm. on the heels of her saying no more lies. Fine. Fuck you. So <laughs> this is what she says. <laughs> Leo, there's something I need to talk to you about, but before I do, I just want to reiterate how much I care about you and about us, our future, and everyone's future, because that's what this is all about, the future. In 24 hours, you're going to be reunited with hope. And I write in big, bold letters, not Iris. Iris is never part of the plan. Right? She's on her way here. Don't say anything. Just take a moment to process it, okay? All those months ago when you told me about her gift, months, so that denotes months, because now Sharon is going to rub it in her face. <laughs> When, when he told me about her gifts, about her genius, when you haven't even told her, again, this is why Hope doesn't know. She, he says she's extraordinary, but he never really told her. Yeah. You, you, you trusted me, but I told them the CR. I had to, right? Now you're like mad. We need generations mm -hmm. of great minds. It, like how? Mm. But she told them, she told them a long time ago, before, probably before the Samuel Abbott business too. Like whatever happened to Samuel oh. Abbott, that happened, must have happened recently. Because again, when okay. they're talking about it, it's like, 
Yeah. That was really weird. That happened like uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever. He had to go. So I just can't get it out of my mind. It happened so suddenly. A lot of the mm-hmm. things happened all at once. We need generations of great minds. You were frustrated with her. She was frustrated with herself, but she is safe and she's seen the world now. And because of that, she is ready to bring back the world. It's going to take the brightest minds working together. She is one of those minds. And this is the Elton thing. Every model shows that if we don't make progress in the next 30 years, human life will be gone from the planet. Amelia Ortiz, that's 15 years. This is what I wrote in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, (laughs) this is bigger than us. So you can hate me and I'll live with that. I'll live with that so that the world can live. (laughs) Okay, I'll just go ahead and tell him I can. I just can't. And then how do you she, feel about Lila when the the fact that she can't say that? Like, what do you? How do you feel about Lila? I feel like she's in over her head. I feel like she made a huge okay. mistake. I mean, she's okay, or- but, you, but you think she's good hearted? I mean, she's she's a good guy. I think ultimately, yeah. I mean, I think she's genuinely rattled when Kublik's on the phone. Mm-hmm. I'll get Leo on board because we do have to remember that other stinger. Uh, you know, because during that stinger, she gets on the phone with Lila Kublik saying Leah won't be a problem and then mm-hmm. mentioning Will's detail or something like that. There's something about Will. I can't remember exactly what. Do you remember? She says, yeah, well, she says uh, Leo better won't be a problem and neither will his detail, his security detail. She doesn't mention Will by name, but she just says his his security detail won't be a problem either. Mm. And yet by the end of it, you do sense that she is a little bit rattled. She's a bit unsettled, Lila. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like she's in over her head. She let them in on something that just caused an avalanche of events and now it's like the chickens are coming home it's like how do you justify that well because you know I, I, th- I think this is all in prep by the way to tell him also that campus colony is gone you know what i mean well that's providing she even knows i mean they could have <sighs> kept that under wraps too but mm, we don't know how know. or why will knows what happened like you said he might have just overheard somebody talking about it and then caused an uproar or whatever but well i say i say all this to say <laughs> that so if lila won't say why she has scatterbrains syndrome you know, after the scene leo says mm-hmm. you know let me start you know he says specifically the civic republic is great but the military is questionable so we're drawing distinctions i don't think there is a distinction but leo right. seems to think there is i'm i'll work with it i'll go on his side i'll be like maybe leo knows well, nothing he's in it he's in it so maybe he knows more than we do mm, yeah yeah I, but we have more things to play with right so <laughs> he so that's the thing one of the things he says and it's flat out he says i'm certain we're being lied to and i have a plan to know for certain mm-hmm. and lila's just like uh-huh uh-huh and one of the points like these are the things that leads him to believe that something's off like they were supposed to come back mm-hmm. days ago so sharon is saying lila is is a huck she really cares about you you got to do what's best for the greater good though time is time is getting close i think though yeah, yeah. too close for comfort a day 24 hours basically yeah she said 24 hours which is weird right i mean how could you possibly time it out that specifically and you know what's really weird okay let's I feel like all of this has led to this moment, obviously, right? And all of this has taken um, a month or so, let's say, to get to this point. And I feel like when season two is going to come out, and I know I we just posted a couple of uh, articles on what season two is going to look like. And it's all about, it's literally going to be all about the future. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if the next, if the first couple of episodes of the second season of this limited run won't take, a, won't take place in the court, during the course of, let's say, within a day, kind of like the, uh, 
all out war effect where like all oh, this shit yeah. happens in two weeks or one week. A lot of stuff is going to happen in 24 hours unless they do this thing with the time jump. Like, well, they'll go, they'll go ahead just to go back to, to cover that mm-hmm. 24 hours, but then show you the aftermath first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, how did, now, how did we get here? Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then like the next couple episodes lead you back to that first scene where they show you the aftermath. And so, and that, that takes place in the short period of time. So now one of the bits of news is that they are open to having a season three. So they, oh. it's on the table Ooh. based on this response. Okay. So, so they're not going to kill everyone off at the end of season two. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we theorized somehow. Like I, like I thought. <laughs> well, it's, what are the options? Either kill everybody or send, ship them over to fear. Well, there's a reason for that though. They're trying to figure out. And now one of the things that was mentioned, I think this was a Gimple mention, was that Rick will never show up on the show. He wants to make that clear, <laughs> Gimple. But the show may be a good gateway to like the movies, like what happens in Tales, what happens in Fear, like what happens. It, it is a good gateway for what we're to see in the future. So, mm-hmm. and there's another bit of news that I have to relay that I relayed. Yes, <laughs> Sharon D was about to say it and she was very oh. happy to hear it. Fear of the Walking Dead has been renewed for another season. So you're going to get Fear of the Walking Dead season seven. And now why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? This has been their best season yet. Bar none. Everybody agrees. Like if you look at the, at the, at the, not the ratings per se, but like if you look at the reviews comparatively throughout all the seasons, Listen, at the time when I was watching seasons one through three and then seasons four through three, because you have to set them apart, right? Four and five. Mm-hmm. At the time when I was watching these things, I saw the volatile reviews throughout. Like you could go back and play Monday morning quarterback and say, you know, I did like seasons one through three more than four and five. Oh no, I actually did like four and five more than one through three. <laughs> and it's like, you could play that game. But at the time, while we were live watching the critics reviews overall in terms of popularity, it, what, it, the ratings were bad. They were not that great. It wasn't the great white hope that people promised it would be because of the consistent, semi-consistent numbers after consolidation and in light of cord cutting. I mean, it's a home run. You're if, as long as you're not volatile, okay. You're getting constant advertising dollars. Why not? Why not? And mm-hmm. then when you get to season six, overall, at the time as we're watching it, critics are going crazy. People are going crazy. That's what you have to look at. Yeah, and Charity saying, "I'm cheering." Yes, and that's the right response. <laughs> Congratulations, Fiona. <Fiona-Walking laughs> Congratulations. I guess I'm a little bit worried for Hope. Not much because you know, as we know now, her and iris are the dream team right inseparable right but only right but only hope is going to cr so once she gets there and they're like here you go help us solve this problem and she's like Meh. like <laughs> what what's gonna happen when she can't do what she needs to do because her other half isn't there i think so there's, there's a couple <laughs> ways this can go down right she tells them hey i was only good in as much as iris was there to help me they'll find iris because why not <laughs> and then mm-hmm. come after her but then when they do they'll have a big trap waiting for them or something like that hopefully you know yeah. what i mean or i don't know like they're they, they may pull a bait and switch on us too it could come out like where just like with Ginny where we have to kind of envision a world of like how do you reconcile what Ginny is trying to do losing her grip and then dealing with these the end is the beginning of people it's like 
well, at what point do they join forces? And what point do they feel like they're forced to have to cooperate and then create something new together, move forward together? Like, well, is that possible with the CRM, with the CR? That's that's interesting because like as we're watching Huck take Hope into custody, let's say, or whatever you want to call it, there is a sense of like, okay, if you can't beat him, join him. You really don't have a choice. So then what do you do? Like, well, okay, now we're forced to have to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you do? I, I don't understand. So like, it might come down to that. So how, and first of all, as much as I'm like digging the cut of Iris's jib, like with, I feel, first of all, when she tells Felix, we're going to kick the CRM's ass, like Felix is like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, how do you plan on doing that? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, we just will. Okay, <laughs> we just will. Right? And they will, because, you know, that's what we want to see. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Like They'll do something. I, it, it, like an extraordinary set of circumstances would have to fall into place for that to be able to happen. I'm not... <laughs> The thing about this show and all these TW Universe shows is like, I don't know what to expect because you think, oh, obviously, this is like the Rick effect trying to beat Negan. Like, oh, obviously, obviously he'll find a way. No, he didn't find a way. <laughs> he never did find a way. And so something else is going to have to happen to make them either do something different or somebody else is going to be the solution to the problem or something comes up, something else comes up that completely dismantles it from the inside. Like the, the whole idea of even Campus Colony having existed and then maybe the, the citizens of the CR knowing, just knowing that, that the military wing of the CR just genocided like 10,000 people, knowing that is might be enough to topple them from the inside. So it could be just that. And then whatever fills in those blanks, you know, to, to further ensure that their downfall happens, who knows? Who knows? No. Like, because 200,000 no. people versus however many people they have in the military, I mean, they're going to win. They're going to win. Right. 200,000 right. people are going to win. Otherwise, <laughs> what's the freaking point, right? What's the point? Um, we yeah. could talk just just for a, a little bit about how adorable Felix was teaching Iris how to drive stick. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, it was really cute, and I got I got surprisingly emotional when when he says what he does. And he's like, "What who do you think taught me?" Back to like original yeah. Felix voice. <laughs> yeah, I don't it know why. I don't, like I said, I there were a few moments that just got me right in the feels, and it came out of nowhere. Like they weren't even like that. Like that moment, I'm like, I, oh, like you didn't think oh. it was a big deal, and then all of a sudden, because yeah, it's like this port in a storm. Like they're in the middle of the situation where they really have to figure it out, like what to do next, and it's just like mm. this light which again that's like one of those things that we beg for in the, during the walking dead can we have a lighthearted moment in the middle of this chaos maybe a funny moment even yeah I think and so. i felt it man it I, it made me flutter gave me all the feels great job you know the audience was actually kind of they're pro pro this moment also they really liked it when hope cracks the decoded the, the decoded note yeah i've got it yeah i love the way she does it too because she realizes these are coordinates but there's also other numbers relating to what 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 digit in the position uh, yeah mm -hmm the position of the letter and so, which one it, yeah so genius so genius and like it says raf embed agent en route to ny with asset plus four plus four all four expendable mm -hmm. which gets her to figure out what the okay and then she gets whatever iris then she she's still her. not sure right she's still not sure who the asset is which is why she proposes she and huck run away and when huck agrees she's like yep that's how i knew it was me process of elimination yep 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 <laughs> oh.
Hope told Iris that Huck's mom died when she was little. She asked, what do you know about her past? And uh, Hope just sort of rattles through, oh, well, she was in the military. Her mom died when she was little. They found her on a raft. I don't know. What does it matter? Oh, and this is how we know what Huck lied about when she was first integrating with Campus Colony. That's how they, she knows oh. the common lie. One of those common lies is that her mom died when they were little. Mm -hmm. And then when Hope figures it out, she's like, oh, moms are complicated too, huh? Like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, your mom didn't die when you were little. You lied about that too. Yeah. You know, I suppose that could also go to... Um uh, Liam was saying that that Huck's backstory might be a lie because mm -hmm. Hope included that in her example too. Said she was in the military, her mom died, uh, she was found on a raft. All three of those things were lies. Well, I mean, with the exception of her military background, where we're we like well, less lies than <laughs> fabricated. Like she was right. found on a raft. That's true. Her but it but but it was staged that way. Right, right. It staged, wasn't, yeah. fabricated stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I'm still not on board with that. There's just you know what? I'm it's, not. It, Either. I'm just adding fuel to the fire. No, but the, the whole reason why I wanted to draw it out was because I want to believe, I told Liam at the time, I said, I want to believe this theory. I want to so much, but yeah. I can't simply on the basis of the fact that it was, nobody else knows about this. Only we know about it. What would the point be in lying to us as viewers? Right. Because then how do we trust, the whole point of me saying that was like, how do we trust anything the show tells us? If we can't even believe the yeah. one thing it was trying to tell us, that's, there's no right. point. It doesn't. If make that sense. is a lie, if that is a lie, anything that they show us could be a lie. Exactly. You know, the, it was that all, would be dangerous. Yeah, it's like how how much do you hate when the possible even the possibility of of somebody saying, "Oh, it was all a dream." The, <laughs> it, the, it was all a dream effect. Yeah. yeah. It's like because then it's like, oh, what was this all for? It doesn't make yep. sense. And something I want to echo something you always say: they don't say these <laughs> things for nothing. They don't do these. They don't include things like this for nothing. And if it was right. just, and I was almost getting pissed, like. Really really pissed. What, and I'll tell you, like, it's not about the theory, but it was about the, even the idea of Percy and Tony being on the show at, at a certain mm -hmm. point, because why bother bringing these two people in? Like on a story sense, it's kind of cool to experience the world in a way that doesn't harm you. Like, it, okay, you can see the dangers of people without getting the full effect of dangerous people, right? Mm -hmm. Percy and Tony happen to not be murderers, but they're still dangerous. They'll still leave you without your shit. Right. So, you know, path of least resistance, but you get the message right and then they educate them they give them an education like yeah they're bad people out here <laughs> okay just so you know <laughs> so on that level okay that's great but at the same time there's almost no point in them they're gone in two episodes I mean, ostensibly until the end when Percy comes back. But like mm -hmm. until that point, like because I was convinced that Percy was gone, I was almost like pissed that like, why introduce us to these two people? Why get to know Tony? Why get to know Percy if they're just going to go away? What to, to, oh, maybe. Do you need a character to illustrate that? You could have just separated. I don't know. You could have found a way to separate Silas from the rest of the group somehow. Oh, he attacked me. Blah, blah, blah. I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, my whole point being is that like, why bother? Why bother with this past routine? If not for the fact that it's gonna come into effect, it's gonna it's gonna have meaning. It's gonna come back around. This is like why I mentioned before. It's like knowing that she could not allow her brothers in arms to kill innocent people is gonna come around when Elizabeth Kublik tells them about the civilians. The, sorry, the the mm -hmm. campus colony. It's gotta have a reckoning. I don't know how she can live with herself. Everything that she's yeah. done up to this point, when she hears that news, she's gonna wrestle with it. She might try to understand it at first, greater good, greater good. But I wasn't willing to do it then, and I killed all my brothers and i'm not willing to do that now this is what i was saying at the end of last episode our last episode was like huck is definitely going to be the hero she's i can't
can't, I can't accept the fact that somebody who would, who'd probably be willing to do this again, wouldn't do this now. It's just that it happened in increments. You know, you gave her a little bit more poison to swallow. You gave her a little bit more poison and not like all at once back in her past. So like she had to make mm-hmm. a, the big decisions, what she says earlier to hope she had to make a big yeah. decision fast. So, oh, so, 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 so Sharon, he says matricide or matricide. She's going to kill her mother. I don't know. I don't know. Seems like a tall Maybe. order. There. I don't know. I would like to see someone bigger and badder than Elizabeth, even honestly. I, I think, like I think will. there's a, I think there's a bigger baddie out there and I want to see him. One of the things Hux keeps saying uh, about making the big decisions and hope finally does make the big decision. Um, when Felix, by the way, Felix and Huck are fighting, I, I, I thought I thought it was great. First of all, the, the doing their own stunts, the choreographing, like it wasn't perfect. Like it was a little choppy and hokey in some places, but like I really the one thing that I want to emphasize is how like even Felix in one scene, aka Nico Tortorella, makes the decision of saying, You're dead. Yeah, I'm like, holy shit, he's committed. No, and on my second watch, I kind of noticed that like they're both fighting for something big, you know? Felix is fighting for his sisters, you know, Huck is fighting for the future. And this is and I wrote this in bold capital letters. I said, these are two ideas, two halves of a whole, begging to be one, but diametrically opposed. This was the original like pitch for the show. And I feel like, and I don't want to see this when it comes to Iris and Hope, but I feel like eventually we may get it where oh, somehow no. they're going to figure out a way to get them to be diametrically opposed to one another. And they're mm. both going to have to explain why, why their side is better. And uh, it's like the tragic <sighs> loss. Because this whole, these whole two episodes are about. You're yeah, absolutely I mean, right. I go back to Ho- what Hope said in the back of the truck. She tells Iris, or, or Iris tells Hope, we're we're changing, we're growing, and Hope says, "Yeah, it, it's just the beginning." Ah, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> it almost fell over there. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's these two. Like when I described earlier, I, I described Iris and Hope. Like you're talking about things that complement one another. The taking risks versus calculating and, and taking a the practical path to judging people correctly and then trusting them anyway and then not trusting them anyway and then these t- these are two halves of a whole but they're but in Felix and and Huck's case they're diametrically opposed and they're fighting for real they're mm-hmm. fighting for keeps you know and so when hope finally makes the decision to mm-hmm. kind of put point the gun at herself is like you both want me you both want me to be safe but if you don't yeah. stop I'm gonna blow my goddamn head off and you're all dead <laughs> this is the one of the big decisions that Huck mentions yeah because she takes the silence off too yeah i saw she her takes the time to take it. the silencer off yep. yeah so it would be loud exactly exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> and like drawing the walkers in etc etc right right oh. okay and so just like felix had his big moment trusting iris okay saying you can take care of yourself you don't need me in six weeks you you learned how to fight quicker than any than hope has been training for a long time i'm proud of who you are and who you'll become he has a similar moment with hope as well he he in kind of like a quick fashion he's like he doesn't want to understand hope but he has to trust her this is again it's coming back to pointing the gun at him almost it's like he has to trust her hope continues to apologize to iris but iris never doubted her it's like you'll find safety i know you will we will and then and that takes you to the conversation about like your aces i want you to know that in this life you gotta do bad to good to good but then she rattles out you'll find safety five miles north again yeah. so there is something going on here like there huck knows more than she's even telling us like maybe she's in real deep like with something else or something <laughs> else. Sharon, you asked a question earlier that I that I was going to answer about um, 
Felix's leg. Did you think that he, that Felix was bit? I didn't think it was a bite, but I was very concerned because, well, he said he uh, slid it on a piece of the barbed wire. Right. Well, I immediately thought back to All Out War when Negan was dunking all their weapons into Walker guts. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if you're bit. You got Walker guts down in there, bro. Like, you need to chop your ankle off or like, you need to get rid of that. Or like in <laughs> Father Gabriel's case, having the- He just covered himself in guts, right? Right. He wasn't injured. Right. That's true. I, I, I was just thinking like, okay, if he had been taking, because what he said was to probably allay the fears of the, the viewers is like, oh, I've been taking antibiotics even before we went out. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like, even if I do get blood in my system, it's not going to do much to me. Ooh. So it's so it's not that. So it's almost as if the show was telling us it's not that, and it's not that either. Who yeah. was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was one no, of I, our group. Yeah, I was I was more worried about infection, but I was sold on the on the barbed wire, Nick. You know when he said it, and, and then and then the sound effect later when we get, when we get the real view, right? I mean, I guess I I mean I guess I bought it, but I did think to myself like you got caught on the back of the leg, and the walkers were in front of you. Does that make sense? Well, you know, he, he, he stepped over the snare, I guess, or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right? I know. I just thought the snare to begin with was kind of, woo, just weird. Like, how do you step into that? How does that happen? I don't know. And Sherry says something. She says, I'm sorry, but taking antibiotics for a month straight is just going to mess up your immune system. And if you took them more than a month ago, they're not going to be effective anymore. Yeah, that's true. But true. I think he meant like before they left uh, the country club, I think, you know, uh, after Percy and Tony, that whole thing. Maybe. I don't know why. I forget why. I have no idea. So I might have to go. I might have to go back and listen to it again because I'm I'm with Sharon D. I feel like whatever he said made me think he took antibiotics before they left on this this adventure. Right. And I'm like, eh, and. <laughs> I was thinking that seems like an awful long time, but yeah, uh -huh. it, 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 we we all know it couldn't have been that. So, it, it, but the couldn't wording the wording was vague though it was vague enough. Strange. Okay, all right. The events that happened to Silas, Elton, and Percy do somewhat mirror Hope, Hawk, Felix, and Iris in some ways, where you're asking to do something for the greater good. Silas is asked to do is is heeding the call of doing something for the greater good, being the hero that he probably was meant to be, what Percy wants to be, and and Silas is automatically. Elton finally coming to grips with the whole of his mother, to understanding what it takes to, to survive in this world, and understanding that she was faced with an almost impossible choice, the big decision. And she didn't make quite the best one, but he understands it. Hope having to finally dish out, you know, and finally realize what's at stake, who's at stake, you know, all of them. And in some ways, she still does care about Huck, for sure. Otherwise, mm -hmm. why bother? Just waste Huck, move on, and actually join the CRM because they're not going to stop finding her. So right. I feel like everybody is kind of coming to this reckoning where we have to understand what's going on here fast. And then we have to also kind of reckon with our past all at once and join the future essentially. And, yeah. and the way I, in the only note where they like other than like everything else seems cut and dry in that. Okay. Hope's path seems pretty clear. CR Iris path. Iris's path seems pretty clear resistance. Okay. I'm feeling resistance wise because she's the leader that she's meant to be that whole spiel right mm -hmm. and and they're no good without each other okay let's leave right. that there now <laughs> silas unknown elton unknown silas who knows but he is finally stepping in the good thing about these two guys is that silas is stepping into his own he is accepting whatever come what may he is the 
hero that we he imagined maybe could be Iris, the person that saw me as the hero, is meant to be. Elton, unsure of himself, instead of being sure of himself, not knowing what the fuck's going to happen. Like this this is exactly the opposite result of how we found him. The kind of know it all has an answer for everything. I don't know. <laughs> but no, this is refreshing. This is wonderful because it opens him up to possibilities and we don't know where we can go from here, but anywhere we go, we can trust that he'll figure it out because it took a lot of guts to figure out his mother in just that moment where it's like he could have taken that with him. Like, you know, like most of us, I mean, most of us know someone or maybe even be the someone who takes a grudge with them to the grave and knowing that there's no room for that in Elton's life and figuring it out really quick. I like that, especially when we know somebody who doesn't understand that life is too short and hopefully as a result will come to reckoning, come to grips that you don't live forever. So don't take that with you to the grave. And to, to top it all off, Sharon, he says, just a note during yeah. their psych, psych eval, Huck said, can't we just blame this all on my mother and be done with it? <laughs> That's an yeah. interesting thing to say. Didn't your mother die when you were a kid? Huck? Yeah. What's how she so died. What kind of, what kind of impact could she have had? Well, hmm? she died in the most horrible way in front of my face. That's why I have <laughs> this face. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, oh. I mean, we, we, we did a little bit of math to figure out how old Huck is. So if Huck's mom did die when she was a kid, it would have been pre-apocalypse. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just answered a Reddit question today about how Felix was probably like 15, 16 during the fall. Huck might have been 20 to 20, 21 to 22 around that time. So there is a significant difference in time, which answers also mm -hmm. the question of why Felix had a younger version of himself played by a different actor versus Huck mm -hmm. not getting that. So I, right. I thought that was very very noteworthy. So if you like what you heard and you're on the audio <laughs> podcast, do us a favor and communicate with us on ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead. Five stars in an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But if you'd like to tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and what we could do better in the future, let us know. We will communicate with you through these comments and ratings. And by the way, we're doing killer in Australia right now. We're like literally 14th in TV reviews. It's crazy. Awesome. I'm like in Italy, we're doing pretty good too. I just found That's that awesome. out today or yesterday. So go us. You know, <laughs> I'll publish the results on, Thanks, on the internet soon. Yeah. Thank you Thanks, so much. Australia. And Austria. Don't forget Austria. We're killing it there. And Austria. Thank you. World tour. Okay. And so I'm for it. And if you're really, really digging on us and you like what we're doing, you want to support our journey, head over to ko-fi.com, coffee.com, set up an account, follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead. When you do, you'll know when we drop our recording sessions, you know, when we'll drop our unedited episodes, so you could take advantage of these supported back posts and you could be a part of these recordings, be a part of the chat while we're recording. Now, if you buy us a coffee, you'll be able to see those posts for 30 days at least. Now, if you subscribe to a coffee a month, the party just keeps on rolling. You get to be a part of the show. You get to support the show and we get to grow and we get to do cooler, cooler and cooler things. Maybe I quit my day job and move on. Either way, we'd appreciate your support. And again, I want to say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, taking the time Thank you. and listening to us, watching us, watching us grow all this time after the past three years, because it is closing out three years and we're moving into the fourth now. Yeah. Happy birthday, us. I'm coming around to my two years with you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, come uh, another couple Next months. March. 
Yeah, yep. exactly. So <laughs> with that, everybody, oh, it's going to be a little while till we see you again. Um, we have episode 100 parts two through five to do for you. We have a holiday special to probably do for you guys. And so we're going to, we'll figure it out. And we got some news. Obviously, we got some news. News is going to be coming out like crazy from here on in until, <laughs> until we finally get the remaining six episodes of The Walking Dead season 10. So that's going to be yes. February 28th. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I hadn't heard of like a date date. And similarly, uh, season 11 will be a, you'll have like a season A, season B, you know, season 11A, season 11B, season 11C. So that's going to be kind of I was going to say, they're probably going to chop that up quite a bit having, yeah. what, it's 20, 24 episodes, right? Yeah, you're going to get two, 10, mid, yeah. two, sorry, two mid-season breaks. So it's going to be set eight, eight and eight. Oh, oh, that's, okay. That's generally how it's going to be. So that'll be good. Big things, man. And the movies in development, we, we're getting closer. We just dropped an article about that in our socials. And if you're not following us on our socials and enabling notifications, you are a fool. <laughs> we don't post that much. So you're not, you're not going to be right. uh, getting hammered. So we'll see you very soon, sooner than you think, just so you know. But hopefully the end of chaos is finished. <laughs> A huge weight has been lifted off of me as we've been trying to our best to cover two episodes a week, every week, from the moment these episodes started streaming in again. Mm. I'm looking forward to taking somewhat of a looser-formed episode recording schedule. I think you are too, Rachel. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, we take still... Take a little vacation. <laughs> yeah, we still have a lot of content to give you. We have all the blogs yeah. to, actually, to actually put up of the episodes that we just covered for the last two months, let's say. We'll see you very soon, sooner than you think. So, with that, everybody, take care we love you so much thank you for tuning in this this mad chaotic week last several weeks and take care of each other we'll see you so soon bye, bye. <laughs>